Hi everyone. Welcome. Oh, we have a super deep dive today. <laughs> We're going to go diving into the light together. Uh, instead of going scuba diving, we're going light diving today, and we have a great movie, great movie. I think your heart's just going to burst open, and uh, wouldn't be surprised if you started having some light episodes the rest of the day <laughs> after this movie. Uh, it's, it's just beautiful that we can come together, and I think the reason that it's going to be so deep today is because of our topic. Uh, some of you are joining in from around the world. I'm, I'm looking at the participants in the Zoom room. We have 103 plus we have groups of people around the world and I think probably we're going to probably have 175 of us all online together going through this beautiful experience today together, which is a, which is a miracle. And I think it's because our weekend, this is our second day of a three-day weekend retreat online and the, the title of the workshop or the retreat is This Holy Instant, which to me, that is the deepest teaching in A Course in Miracles. Forgiveness takes you towards the holy instant, the present moment, the powerful now moment that releases the mind from time and space that releases the mind from believing in the cosmos. The holy instant releases the mind from believing in bodies, from believing in separation, from believing in differences, from believing in hierarchies, from believing in better and worse. For most human beings, they just, there's such a deep belief in the ego that they say, of course there's better and worse every day. I have a better day or a worse day <laughs> than the day before, but not to the spirit. The spirit doesn't see better or worse. There is no better or worse. So the holy instant is the key to everything. And if you just right now, from the rest of your life, seeming earth life, you just devoted your single-minded attention to just one thing, and that one thing was experiencing the holy instant. You would be doing the greatest service to yourself, to the angels, to Jesus, to God, to everyone, just by this one thing, is devoting yourself to the holy instant. And I know a lot of you say, well, it seems kind of abstract. You know, if I'm going <laughs> to devote my life to something, David, please, can you give me something a little more concrete than <laughs> the holy instant? It's like telling a human being, devote your life to now, and they go, what? <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> That's, my parents never said such a thing. Maybe Eckhart Tolle told me about it, but this is definitely not a part of my programming in any way, shape, or form. But I'm, I'm really sincere about this. If you, if you give yourself over to the Spirit and you just say, I want to experience the holy instant, and I'm going to put all my effort and my willingness just in this one direction. I tell you, if, if, if there was smiles in heaven, there'd be a lot of smiles in heaven. All the angels standing ovation, Jesus standing ovation, Buddha, Ramana Maharshi, Paramahansa Yogananda, 
every saint in history would be standing up and, and going, oh, bravo, I'm with you. I, I join you in the holy instant because that is the greatest teaching. I think when people ask, how, what does that mean specifically, it just means that if you devote yourself to the holy instant in a sincere way, you will begin to receive more and more clear guidance and the guidance will guide you how to unwind from the ego. It will tell you where to go. It will tell you who to meet. It will tell you what books to read, what uh, movies to watch. It will tell you what to eat, what not to eat. It will tell you how to get your daily bread, both in terms of inspiration and also food, uh, clothing, shelter. The, the spirit is so practical that if you give your mind to living and experiencing the holy instant, the spirit will provide everything you need in, in earth terms. Uh, Mary Baker Eddy is a great saint uh, from uh, Boston area, uh, and basically, she basically said, God has always and will always provide every human need. So, if you say, I would love to devote my life to the holy instant, really, but I have practical concerns, Jesus' answer is, I will meet those practical concerns for you. I will do it. Don't think you're doing it as a body with your past learning and your education. Don't think you're doing it with your skills and abilities. I can, Jesus says, tells us in the Course, if you'll devote your mind to miracles, I will handle everything else. And he means everything else in time and space. Food, clothing, shelter, absolutely everything will be provided in your perception that you believe you need. So that's how it's practical. It may, it may sound abstract, devoting your life to the holy instant, but actually I've experienced that over the last 36 years. Everything I could seem to need, places to stay, travel arrangements, uh, global travels in 44 countries, uh, travels around the United States and Canada, 49 states around the United States, all kinds of things that seem to require a lot of logistics like Gasoline for cars, and cars, and planes, and, and lots of luggage, and places to stay, and everything. What a trip! <laughs> I gotta tell you, Jesus is the greatest. He, he's given me the adventure of a lifetime for the last 36 years, and, and I really didn't have to do anything. He didn't tell me I had to do anything. He just said, just be willing to let me use you, and I'll come through you, and I'll speak through you, and I'll handle all the logistics of time and space to make it work. And so I just said yes, and, and as we, uh, Lisa and, and uh, Kirsten were saying last night, it works. And you heard the chorus chiming in from the crowd last night, uh, it, it definitely works. So let's go over a little bit of metaphysics real quick. Um, how many here, when you hear the word oneness, feel a swirl in your heart? Oneness. 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 I, that's me. And what I would say is that God is one, and the mind of God is one, and Christ is an idea, pure abstract idea of light in, in the mind of God, and Christ is one, 
And the Holy Spirit is a creation of God, even though we talk about the Holy Trinity. God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, they're all eternal creations, they're all infinite, they're all pure spirit, and especially they're all one. <laughs> they're just really one. It's not really three. <laughs> it's really actually one spirit. One love, one spirit. So we've got the mind of God, we've got the mind of Christ, we've got the, the Holy Spirit, which is part of that oneness, and then you might say, but how does that relate to earth? <laughs> how does that relate to my life? Sentimentally, I'm with you, David. Sentimentally, I like the oneness idea. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards you, but I've got a lot of experiences in this world that don't seem to be oneness. And so, in A Course in Miracles, there's a right mind and a wrong mind. The right mind is where the Holy Spirit lives, and the right mind has what we read, I read to you yesterday, it's, it has a holy image, it has a, a photo of a forgiven world, a photo of a happy dream, where everything is connected, everything is one. In quantum physics they call this the unified field. In the Course, Jesus calls it the happy dream. Uh, it goes by different names in different cultures, but, but the one characteristics of a forgiven perspective is oneness. In, in forgiveness, you realize, oh my God, there's only one of us. <laughs> I, was, I was tricked into believing we were separate. I was tricked into believing we had separate minds, separate bits of consciousness. I was tricked into believing we had private thoughts and secrets. You really think God would create secrets? Why would God create secrets, you know? God is just one. It's so simple. Secrets, mm, that's, that's complicated. Hiding. Secrets involve hiding. And God does not involve hiding. God wants us to have revelation, to have the oneness revealed to us as pure love and pure spirit. So, when we come down to the right mind, that's the Holy Spirit's perspective on the world. The Holy Spirit doesn't see separate situations, doesn't see separate events. The Holy Spirit actually doesn't even see separate people because the Holy Spirit is the correction for the error of separation. So, to the Holy Spirit's perception, there aren't even separate people. You see how high that is? That's, that's the image of holiness. That's a unified, healed perception, is what that is, is the Holy Spirit's perspective. And, and also, in the Holy Spirit's perspective, the Holy Spirit knows that in eternity there is no time, but the Holy Spirit knows with regard to time and space, there's one important characteristic you need to know from the Holy Spirit's perspective, is that it's all simultaneous. That's why there is no reincarnation in traditional terms. Because you don't have a little bitty soul that incarnates and goes out and reincarnates over thousands and thousands, sometimes millions of years. That's just a description of separation. And the value of reincarnation is maybe it has a glimpse of the idea that all the souls make it back to God. <laughs> That's the good part of the idea. But the ego will use reincarnation to say, oh, you're not going home for a long, 
long, long time. You better get used to separation game because the ego says, I'm running the tables. And if you can believe you're a little bitty soul that's going to escape and return to the source, but the ego says, if you believe in time, I'm going to make that time difficult. I'm going to make that time hell. <laughs> I'm going to turn it into hell. <laughs> and, and none of us, we want, we want to know God. We just want to remember God. That's, that's our calling of our heart. That's our prayer. We just want to remember God. So, from the wrong mind perspective, the wrong mind is the belief that the mind can leave God, leave its source, and have a separate private mind of its own. So the wrong mind is simply the belief that there are private minds with private thoughts and private perceptions. You know, you probably have heard the saying, no two people see the same world. So from that perspective, there's, there's like 7.8 billion different perspectives of the world with the humans, you see? And then we have to include the animals. What about the insects, the little ants with their little eyes and antennas? If you believe in separation, you also believe that there's separate perspective. That that ant outside your yard has a different perspective of the universe than you do as a person. The good news is there aren't separate perspectives. That's very complex. You wonder why there's war. If you have trillions of sentient beings that each see a different world, it's easy to see where they would fight with each other. You know, uh, either as persons or animals and people or on and on. You know, it's just fragmentation. So, that's why in chapter 15, Jesus says, if you would enter the holy instant, you must have no private thoughts that you would harbor or keep for yourself. Does that make sense? That if you would enter the holy instant, which is just pure love and oneness, you would have no private thoughts, no secrets that you would keep. That secrets are what the unconscious mind is about. That's what Carl Jung called the shadow. You see how simple it is. The shadow is the belief in private minds and private thoughts. So if you have private thoughts that are just, you can hide and just keep for you alone as a person, um, you won't know the holy instant. Because in the holy instant is absolute, open, full communication of everyone and everything. And it's, it goes even beyond words. It's just a total communion with God and a total communion with Spirit where you know that you're one with God and one with Spirit. That's why Jesus, you know, he could, Jesus was extremely telepathic because his mind was so clear. He had cleared the mirror of his mind and he could pick up the scribe's thoughts, the Pharisee's thoughts. He could pick up the thoughts of the Sadducee when, he had, when that woman came in uh, who was a prostitute and she had oils to, to put on his feet. And all the scribes and the Pharisees says, oh, look at this. He can't be the Messiah. He's hanging around with this kind of lady. And Jesus says, why do you judge her? They didn't even say it. They were just thinking it. But he, because his mind was unified, he could pick up every thought, like a giant antenna. You know, whoever he was with, he knew their thoughts. He knew what the apostles were going through. And he knew all their doubt thoughts. And, and so he 
but he was also aware that there's only one mind. So he knew there wasn't a problem. That's why sickness, sickness could not exist near Jesus because he knew it was impossible. Sickness is, is privacy, secrets, and it's fragmentation. And Jesus knew fragmentation is not real. It's just the wrong mind. And that's what he forgave. He forgave the wrong mind. He didn't have to forgive specific people. Like he didn't have to forgive Herod or he didn't have to forgive Julius Caesar for the Roman Empire. He didn't have to forgive um, any of the people that were trying to uh, trap him or kill him because he simply knew that the wrong mind was impossible. And, you, and, and that's why he didn't suffer on the cross. It, it looked like it from the ego perspective and Mel Gibson, you know, Passion of the Christ and spikes and all the blood. <laughs> I sat through Passion of the Christ with my mother, who was a Christian woman at the time, and she was she was gasping every time they would they would last Jesus or pierce his things. I, I could hear her next to me. She was probably in her 80s at the time, going, <gasps> you know, because because she was reacting like, that's got to hurt. But it didn't hurt for Jesus because he didn't have any guilt in his mind. He knew that guilt was impossible. He knew I and the Father are one. You know, he reached a state of perfect union. So Jesus did not suffer on the cross. Uh, now, of course, the ego is quite clever. So it built an entire religion <laughs> on the belief that Jesus suffered on the cross, on penance, sacrifice. You see how clever the ego is. It, it just said, well, that's just too good. I'm just going to have to invent my own religion. <laughs> that, that, that light, oh, I don't ever want to see that light again. I'm going to invent a religion <laughs> to make sure that I never ever behold that light. That bright light is like, oh, I'll, I'll twist that. Mary Magdala, oh, that's a, a good friend of you, Jesus. I'll turn her into a prostitute for the rest of <laughs> all these centuries. You see, uh, you see, it it twisted the whole story to to promote separation, guilt, fragmentation, sacrifice, penance, you know, and and basically it glorified uh, certain ones, and it it. Put other ones like Mary Magdala definitely was a put down uh, to Mary Magdala was far from a prostitute. She was extremely wise and extremely bright and and open. She was the first one to see Jesus after Jesus came back, and then the church decided to make her a prostitute for about 19 centuries. But we're here to undo some of the mistakes, you know. That, that those are just uh, ego uh, antics and tactics. So here's what I want to emphasize for you, that, that the presence of love is the, is the escape from the ego, and that's through the holy instant. And you reach the holy instant by following the guidance of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. It's really that simple. And your mind is so powerful that you just, you desire God. That's all you have to do is desire God, and then the means are given you. You don't have to figure out the means. This isn't like starting a business where you have to decide how am I going to get <laughs> my taxes set up? What about the income? What about the accounting? No, Jesus is like, that's the Father's business is not like that. It's not like an earth business. <laughs> if you just desire it with all your heart, 
Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. If you desire God, everything else comes and gets added to your mind exactly as you need it. You won't have to figure it out. Not a single thing. It's just given to you. You just have to receive the symbols when they come. So, this world, when we look at the world, you may see war. Like the war seemingly in the world of, uh, at Ukraine, in Russia and Ukraine. But Jesus is saying to us in the Course, the war against yourself is almost over now. It's, it's just a war of identity. The ego is telling you you're separate. The Holy Spirit and Jesus is saying you're not separate. And if you believe in two voices, ego and Holy Spirit, then that is where the war is. It's a war of belief. Do I believe, do I put my faith and belief and trust in the Holy Spirit or the ego? If you put it in both, you're going to be confused. Because they don't teach the same lesson. <laughs> the ego teaches separation, death, guilt, fear. The Holy Spirit teaches love, unity, oneness, forgiveness. They never meet. The Holy Spirit never meets the ego. And your mind will only meet the thought system that it's attracted to. So if you're attracted to love and the Holy Instant, you will learn the thought system of the Holy Spirit. What does the thought system of the Holy Spirit tell you? It says, there is nothing outside you. That is what you must ultimately learn. But how can that be possible? He's not talking about the person. There's nothing outside of you as a person. He's saying there's nothing outside of your mind. Your mind is so powerful because God created it. And you can believe something other than love. You can believe in separation, but it doesn't make it true. It just seems true in your awareness when you believe in it. When you believe it, it seems like the world is, is fragmented, like you're struggling, you're competing, you're striving, you're efforting, you're, you're pushing to try to make it, uh, make it in the world. And Jesus is just saying, let go. Uh, you don't need to worry about making it in the world. You need to really focus on forgiving the world and then the world will disappear and you will remember God. You see how different that is than strive and focus to be a better person, a better man, a better woman, have a better family, a better business. No, Jesus is not the better business bureau. Jesus says there is only one business and that's the Father's business, the God's business of love is the only business there is. And it doesn't involve competition, it doesn't involve supply and demand, it doesn't involve scarcity and meeting supply chains, none of that. Uh, heaven has, is nothing like this world. There has seemed to be an amnesia which is forgetting God and then perceiving fragmentation. But the good news is, is all you need to do to forgive and experience the Holy Instant is to release the belief in fragmentation. You, you, have to, you have to even stop thinking of people as people. As long as you think people are people, and I'm talking about bodies, <laughs> then Jesus is saying, no, listen, there aren't 7.8 different billion people on earth. 
there's only one of us. I'm trying to teach you a very simple lesson. There is one of us. And if you go toward the holy instant, you will see that holy image I mentioned yesterday, and that will show you that there's only one of us. Because you'll see the same light in everyone and everything. Even when you're still perceiving the form, your mind will recognize it's all one. You see? So that's what we mean by holy image. That's what the forgiven world of the happy dream is. There's still a dream, you're still perceiving a dream, but you know it's one dream. And you're dreaming it. <laughs> and you're laughing because you're thinking, uh, how could I, I could not believe that I could be tricked into thinking that everything was apart and separate. You know, you'll laugh at, the point, at that point. Now, in order to do that, it just requires willingness to listen and follow. That's it. I mean, if you go for the holy instant, then all you have to do is listen to the instructions and follow the instructions. And then there will come a point when that will end too. You, there will be no more need of miracles, there will be no more need of instructions, you just have this I amness. I am. That's it. I am. It you know, it's there's it's you don't have to put a name after that. <laughs> that those two those two things are, are plenty right there. That's what Jesus said before Abraham was I am. And if it's good enough for Jesus, yeah, it's good enough for all of us. <laughs> Who are you? I am. <laughs> Say it with confidence. Mean it. <laughs> you know, that's what the holy instant is. I I am and I mean it. <laughs> you see, there's a confidence with that. So, how did we get to the movie today? Well, we have a movie poll that we put out and we ask people vote for these themes and tell us which themes are most important for you. So this week, out of five themes, three themes came in at the top, and they were the vast majority of the vote. And the three themes that you wanted for this Holy Instant Weekend are Living from within, pray without ceasing. Whoa! Pray without ceasing. Living from within, pray without ceasing. That means these prayers are not words that you start and stop. It means your heart is in an active state of, God, I want you. No matter what is happening in the world, no matter what the story looks like or the script, your heart song, remember uh, the, the Penguin movie <laughs> where he, he's got to find his heart song? Your heart song is, God, I want you. That's your heart song. And that's what you pray without ceasing. The ego may try to come in and stop the song and say, well, you know, you've got to pay your mortgage, you know. Enough with this singing all the time, you know. <laughs> you've got to pay your mortgage. But no, no, your heart song doesn't stop. Your heart song for the holy instant is still, God, I want to know you. God, what is your will for me? I want to know pure happiness. I want to know pure joy. Okay, second theme you voted for. Keep the flame of my devotion burning. Isn't that great? Keep the flame of my devotion burning. That's what Jesus meant by let thine eye be single. Keep the flame of your devotion burning. 
Kenny Loggins, uh, he had a beautiful song called Keep the Fire. Keep the fire burning bright. Just take whatever comes into sight. Don't take forever, take it through the night and believe the sun will rise with the dawn. That's all you need to go on. So for tonight, just keep the fire burning bright. Thank you, Kenny Loggins. You know the song for us. We will have to listen to Keep the Fire. That's a great song. I used to listen to that on repeat and let the tears roll down my cheeks as Kenny was singing to me. Keep the fire. David, keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. Okay, number three. Move beyond the interpersonal perspective. You see, that's where our struggles come in. Whenever we start thinking interpersonally, thinking about somebody in less than a loving way. <laughs> what do I mean by less than loving? We're judging them. <laughs> we, oh, if, if they were more like this, then I could be a friend. Or I'd, I'd love them if they treated me right. Or, you know, if they just got their act together, then I would be their friend. <laughs> but until they get their act together, no. You see, this is how the ego works. And, and here, your third theme is move beyond the interpersonal perspective. Move into God mode. You're just giving your mind permission to shift on over to God mode. Which fits with the first one, living within, pray without ceasing, and the second one, keep the flame of my devotion burning. So those three themes are what we're going to explore today in our movie. Because those three themes had the vast majority of all the votes. So I could tell that's, that's really what was on your heart. So first I'll read just one little bit from uh, the Course, A Course in Miracles, so Jesus can shove our boat off. We're going on a journey to, today and he's he set the sails for us, he's given us a good movie, and he's right at the edge of the lake and he's going to push our boat off. He's going to send us off out into the lake to discover the holy instant. <laughs> and here's what he's, he's telling us. And this is from chapter 14. Once he reaches chapter 15 in the Course, he just talks so much about the Holy Instant. From like 15 to 24, he just keeps coming at it. He's like talking Holy Instant, Holy Instant, Holy Instant. And he sprinkles in a little bit more in later on, chapter 27. And he does, in the workbook, he, he picks up the theme again. But this is from chapter 24. Or, or no, 14. This is from 14, right before he really launches into his full calling, like Kirsten said. He's calling us into the Holy Instant. This is the prelude. And this is what he said. Jesus is telling us, Could you but realize for a single instant the power of healing that the reflection of God shining in you can bring to all the world. You could not wait to make the mirror of your mind clean to receive the image of the holiness that heals the world. The image of holiness that shines in your mind is not obscure and will not change. Its meaning to those who look upon it is not obscure 
for everyone perceives it as the same. All bring their different problems to its healing light and all their problems find but healing there. In other words, the whole teaching of the Course is to bring the illusions that you believe in to the light of truth within you and, and the beliefs will disappear and all the attack thoughts will disappear too. But that's what Jesus repeats over and over in the, the Course, in the text. Bring the illusions to the truth. He never says bring the truth into the illusions, you see? And as the human race I can say we have tried. We have built temples. We have built amazing churches in Europe and around the world. We have, we have built skyscrapers and towers. Some of you know that the story of the Tower of Babel. The attempt was to build a tower so high that you could reach God, reach God, but the only problem is God isn't in the sky. <laughs> so your architecture, good idea, but the problem with the Tower of Babel wasn't that they were trying to reach God, that's a good thing, but the problem was they were trying to reach God in form, you see? Build the highest tower, reach God in the sky. But God, I've I've been in the sky. I did a lot of flying over these last 36 years and I can tell you that God is not in the clouds <laughs> and not in the planets and not in the black holes. God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. You see, Jesus again says, if you look inside, you'll see you're one with God and then you'll see there's nothing outside of you. The black holes are inside your mind. The, your wrong mind. Not, your right mind, you know, is just, it's just the Holy Spirit and light, you know. <laughs> the black holes aren't even there for that, but in your wrong mind, the black holes are in your mind, the cosmos and the galaxies are in your mind, the whole world is in your mind, the oceans are in your mind, the politicians, the countries, they're all in your mind, you made it all up. <laughs> Jesus says, you're hallucinating a world of separation, but it's not out there. Don't blame your mother. Don't blame your father. Don't blame your children, your partner. Don't blame the government. Don't blame the, the countries with the armies and the generals, you know. You know, but you say, wait a minute, Jesus, are you, are, what are you saying? Is this is taking a little too far. Where are you saying Hitler is? Hitler is a concept in your wrong mind. <laughs> Where is Ayatollah Khomeini? A concept in the wrong mind. Where is Hezbollah? Concept in your mind. Where is Saddam Hussein? Concept in your wrong mind. You see? It's the same with your mother, father, sister, brother. You know, they're all concepts because they're all projections of the belief in private minds and private thoughts. You see? There's a light in you that is the answer to everything. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within. He's just saying, still your mind and come in here with me. And, and Kirsten was emphasizing that last night. She's just saying, Jesus, above all else, he's saying, be with me. Because Jesus knows we're the same one. We're the same Christ. There's only one of us. So, whenever we think of an enemy, Jesus is just saying there is no external enemies. 
you have no external enemies. The, the belief in the ego is what generates this crazy idea of enemies. God didn't create enemies. God doesn't even know what an enemy is. In the Song of Prayer, Jesus says, they, the question is, what about the notion of praying for your enemies? Because that's in the Bible, pray for your enemies. Jesus says, if you believe you have enemies, you have great need for prayer. You see? He's not avoiding the question. He's just saying, that's, if you believe you have enemies, if you're not friendly towards everyone and everything, like Jesus was, then you basically need to forgive yourself for this ego belief, because there are no enemies in heaven. There's no such thing as an enemy to God. This is where there's ego misinterpretations of the Bible, because in the Bible, like the Old Testament, it's like the Old Testament kind of paints God to be like, like, a, like a, a more powerful being than humans, but he still gets mad. You know, if you, if you cross God in the Old Testament, he'll zap you. <laughs> this tribe, you know, they don't behave. And if uh, this one doesn't, isn't obedient, burn, burn, burn. This is not a very loving God, you know. I remember watching recently George Carlin, the great comedian, and he said, he said, God is, is always kind of upset that you're being disobedient to God. Um, and God always needs to be praised, and, and God always needs money. That's why the ministers are always asking for money. Because, so George Carlin was concluding, God must really need the money, because that's all he sees on the TV screens, you know. And all of this, and then he said, and God loves you. <laughs> you see what the, George Garland was poking out the, con, the inconsistencies between the belief that God is anthropomorphic. That's a big word, but anthropomorphic simply means that you're assigning the characteristics of humans to something else. And that's turning God into, instead of an all-loving presence, a creator of love and light, it's turning God into an anthropomorphic tyrant. Who, who basically is zapping people and then, and occasionally it's like, oh, and God is love. And, and of course, George Carlin was like poking, what a, contra you know, what a contradiction. George Carlin, he was raised in a Catholic family. Okay, give him, give him a break. He just got so tired after that inconsistencies that he decided, it drove him to comedy. It drove him to try to be funny and laugh because and he had a lot of swear words, of course, his, <laughs> but he, he just was raised Catholic. Give him a break. I mean, you know, he, everybody knows somebody who was raised Catholic. And, and a lot of Course in Miracles students, actually, when I talk to them, because I travel around the world to 44 countries, when I shake their hands and I give them a hug, sometimes they go, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a recovering Catholic. <laughs> I've met thousands of recovering Catholics, you know, and all that means is, I desire God. I want to know the God of love, and I'm trying to let go of these thoughts of punishment, suffering, penance, you know, that I've lived with my whole life. That's what George Carlin was trying to do, too, through his comedy, 
was he was trying to purge these ideas of sacrifice. Now today's movie is, is very, very good because this movie is, is called Fatima. And this movie is basically going to, most of it takes place back in 1917 in Portugal, in, in the area we would now call Fatima. That's why it's named Fatima. And so I want you to let your mind get ready for that context because because we're we're going on a movie that's going to take us back to 1917. What was going on in the world in 1917? Well, World War I was going on. Uh, and Europe was in tatters, shreds. There were young men coming back either with wounded, no legs, no arms, blown to bits and pieces, and if they weren't killed, seemingly in the war, they were coming back to their towns disabled. So imagine uh, you live in a rural town in Portugal, and the ones that are barely making it back are, they're damaged. They're very, very damaged. It's a vicious war, uh, World War I. This is also 1917 is right before they had a big pandemic back then too. Like we've had uh, COVID. They had a big pandemic right after this period, which was called uh, the Spanish flu. And the Spanish flu was, it was more devastating in world terms than COVID. It was, it was a very bad in the world terms, virus that killed a lot of people. That's coming up um, in, shortly after this movie was, was made, shortly after 1917. And so what we're going to have is we're going to have a rural family in this context of World War I. Um, just like today, they had scarcity of basic goods and needs, of, of food and clothing and shelter. Um, they were barely struggling to make it as a family uh, in agriculture areas. They're just barely trying to hang on to their farming and their sheep herding and, and their way of life. The Catholic Church is very strong um, in Portugal, in, in, as well as different parts of Europe, of course Rome, but, and the Pope and so forth. But there's cardinals, there's bishops, there's priests, and this is going to be taking place in a little town of, near Fatima, the town is Fatima, where there is a church structure in place, but it's Catholic. It's very Catholic. And then if we zoom in, we're going to find there's a family uh, and a husband, wife, and children, and one of the children is Lucia. And Lucia, she loves to go away and she loves to go into the the, land, the grazing lands, the farmlands, around the, the hills and the mountains, around the town. And she's, she sometimes has the task of, of watching the sheep. So she's, our Lucia is a little 10-year-old shepherd, okay? She's just a little girl, 10 years old, and she's a, she likes shepherding. She likes going out and, and being with the sheep. She likes being out in nature. 
Her mother is a very devout Catholic woman. And her brother, her older brother, is in the war, is in World War One. So her mother is heartbroken that she her son is at the war in the war. And she's heartbroken that she may never see him again. And she's devastated by the the devastation happening all throughout Europe. You know, it's just like nowadays, you know, there's a, I call it more of a little bit of an isolated war, although wars are never isolated. They, they affect people, f food, the wheat's not coming out of uh, Russia or Ukraine now, and, and Africa, there's many, many starving children, and wars are never isolated, and Jesus would tell us, remember, the war's in your mind. <laughs> you believing in the ego is the war. It's, it's, it seems like it's external. But in this case, World War I was absolutely devastating. The world had never seen anything like it. Uh, it was just absolute devastation and carnage. So Lucia's mother is, she's praying the rosary every day. She's praying the rosary. She's got her rosary beads and she's praying to Mother Mary and she's praying and praying for her son to come home alive, is what she's praying for. And then Lucia has two friends that are younger cousins and sometime her younger cousins go out with her among the sheep and, and they'll just all three go out as they're just good friends. Lucia and her two cousins, friend Francisco and um, what's the other one's name? The little girl, <laughs> I always think of it. It's Jacinta. So, Here's the picture. It's 1917, rural Portugal, and Lucia's going to go out. Her mother's play, praying the rosary, and she's out with Jacinta and Francisco. Now, they are going to have an encounter, and they're going to see an apparition. Mother Mary will appear to these three little children. Uh, out in the fields. And when Mother Mary appears, she's just dressed in white and she's very beautiful and she's very young. She doesn't look like a 19 year old, 1900 year old woman, uh, which was, when we saw her was, she was back, she was Jesus's mother, but she's, she looks very good for 1900 years. She's, she is very, bright and very angelic and very beautiful and of course the children are this is striking any anyone who's ever had an apparition knows it's a very striking experience when when anyone appears to you but when it's mother mary wow it's and you're from a catholic uh, family and the mother of jesus is now appearing to you that is like a huge event Francesco, uh, Frances Francisco, he can't, he can see Mother Mary, but he will not be able to hear her. He's got to turn to Lucia and Lucenta, Jacinta, Jacinta, and, and say, what, what'd she say? Because <laughs> you know, he can see her lips moving, but, but Francesco can, can only see her. The two girls, they can hear her too, and they are listening. Oh, they're listening. 
And, and so this is important. Now, how does this relate to the holy instant? Well, from what I've described, this realm of time and space is, is the ego's world. It's so thick with illusions. It's, it's just layers upon layers upon layers of illusions. And it's part of amnesia. This is a giant amnesia to forget God and to put separation in the place of oneness and love and light. You see how giant? That, that's not a small mistake. It, I mean, Jesus would say, well, it actually is a small one once you forgive it. You see how teeny it is. It's a, it's a tiny mistake. But <laughs> when you believe in this separation, whoa, a whole cosmos arises of fragmented perception. And so Jesus even calls it a vast illusion. Jesus would never put that word vast in front of illusion unless he was talking about the cosmos. He's talking about the entire time-space cosmos, all the black holes. He's talking about galaxies that haven't even been discovered yet. It's, it's a vast illusion in perception, but not in reality. It's just a hallucination because God didn't create it. But if you believe in it, it seems like hell. Don't have to worry about a fiery burning hell that you'll burn in. This is it. This fragmented perception of time and space, that is hell. <laughs> so if somebody asks you, how are you doing today? You say, well, I'm working on forgiving hell <laughs> again in my daily life. <laughs> you see, it's not an eternal flame that you're concerned about. Uh, hellfire, that's part of the egos try to scare you. As if, you know, you, you sin, you don't do enough penance, you don't say enough Hail Marys, and then you'll burn for all eternity in hell. No, the ego is quite good at scaring the mind. It's, it's the master of fear, no doubt. But Jesus is saying, love is stronger than fear, so fear not. I am with you. Uh, your, your identity is secure, will always be. God, nothing can go against God's will. Nothing can change God's will. Uh, what God creates is forever. So don't be concerned about a blip that's here one moment and gone the next. Uh, don't be concerned about the hallucination. Seek not to change the world. Seek rather to change your mind about the world. Give it a new purpose. Instead of hatred, give it forgiveness. Uh, change your mind about the world. But don't be concerned about fixing the world. Don't be concerned about improving the world. Don't think you're going to have to destroy the world, you, don't, you aren't. <laughs> the, the ego is destruction, and when you forgive the ego, you are free of it. You, you are free of destruction forever. So, one more thing I would like to say is that because we're entering the holy instant, um, a lot of the questions that you wrote in to Francis and I relate to what you're going through in the world, what's happening in the world. Um, I, I think it was Delisa was telling us um, on, on Friday, she was saying, you know, she's, she's kind of struggled through her teen years, now she's completed her university studies, and she doesn't know what to do next, because she doesn't feel drawn to uh, to working in a typical way, and she's finished with her studies. So that was her question, that was Delisa's question. And she has, her parents have expectations. Really, 
the mind has expectations of the parents. The parents don't have expectations because the parents are always projections. And so are the bodies. There's not, you can't put it onto people and say, I can't follow my calling because my parents have expectations of me. Well, Jesus is like, yeah, read lesson number two of the Course. I have given everything I see, all the meaning I have for, it has for me. I have given all the meaning that I believe that my parents have. I believe I've given all the meaning the society has. I've, I've given all the meaning to the countries and to the stars, to the planets. I've given all the meaning to Mars and Pluto. It's, it's, you have to realize there is no world apart from what you think. So if you're thinking with the ego, you're, you're seeing the ego's world. This, this is the ego's world, time and space. God didn't create time and space, but the ego did invent time and space. Also, uh, Jurgita, I think you're here, Jurgita, you, with your little child there. Yeah, and there you are, hi. And, and you're thinking too, you know, well, I, I, have a, I have a child, I have a husband, and so on and so forth. Well, practice the Course. I have given everything I see all the meaning that it has for me. Uh, Jagita, we had Stephania last night talking about the mother-daughter mother uh, dynamic that's going on. She was asking Kirsten and, and Lisa, how do you do that? How do you, how do I deal? Portia came on, how do I deal with my sister? Well, what I would say is this movie is the best movie for that. This is the best movie for addressing the the mother-daughter or the mother-child uh, issue. Because Lucia is this 10-year-old little sheep herder who wants to go out and be in the fields and be in nature with God. And basically Lucia is, is the symbol of, of a child self-concept. And the child self-concept in Portugal in, in 1917 is you're supposed to be obedient to your parents, and do what your parents say, and if your parents say, pray the rosary, because we want to get <laughs> your brother back from the war, you pray the rosary, and you basically, you have to do, fulfill your roles and your responsibilities as a child. And children know what I'm talking about. I've met hundreds of children on the, around the world, and when I sit and just talk with the children, they say, David, can you help me? I'm in a bad situation. I'm around bigger bodies and they think they have control over me and they tell me what to do. And this movie is more like what Jesus said, except you become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus meant by that, he says in the Course, is except you become as dependent on God as infants, little children are on their parents, you cannot enter the Kingdom of Heaven. He's using that famous teaching from the Bible, except you become as little children, you cannot enter the Kingdom of Heaven, and he's saying, you need to be so dependent on your intuition, in modern terms, or the Holy Spirit and Jesus in terms of the Course terms, that you listen and follow everything that they tell you to do as they unwind you from the self-concept. So this is not just for a child, this is for the mind that's sleeping and believing in fragmentation. And then 
in this movie, the, the mother-daughter relationship is pretty strained because the mother is doing all this praying to Mother Mary, she's doing the rosary to try to bring back the, her son from the war, and then suddenly her daughter's going to come in and she's, her daughter doesn't even want to tell her what she saw in the field. Because that is going to be like a torpedo to the mother-daughter relationship and the self-concept. You know, in that day and age, you know, if you're a Catholic mother, you have a Catholic daughter, and your daughter comes home and says, I just was on the, in the field and Mother Mary, I saw her. What? She, she spoke to me. What? She's, she's telling instructions. You know, this is not only going to be a torpedo or an unwinding of the self-concept for little Lucia, for little uh, Jacinta, and for Francesco, because they're going to see something that doesn't fit into the self-concepts of the world. It's not every day when your children come home and, and say, I just saw Mother Mary and she's got some instructions. <laughs> Usually. I think if I did that when I was 10 years old and I was in a Christian family and I came home and I said, I saw Mother Mary in the backyard and she's got some instructions, my mom probably would have said, we're going to wash your mouth out with soap. We're going to go into the bathroom, we're going to get soap. We're going to wash your mouth out for telling a lie. But if I actually saw Mother Mary, I, I would have a crisis of faith at 10 years old. <laughs> now the reason I'm saying this, and I'm bringing this up, and, and your Gita, you have, you have your family life, Amanda and Micah are there, Amanda has a grandson who's called Jesus. So now, if, if little grandchild Jesus comes home and says, Grandma, I saw the Mother Mary, I think probably, or Mary Magdalene, Amanda would probably go, Oh! Because <laughs> she's, she's with us in the Course in Miracles and everything. But, but we're talking about symbols can only reach you in a mind that can benefit from them. So, these are three little children who have very deep prayerful lives. They, they pray to Jesus, they pray to Mother Mary, they pray to God, and they're so open and willing that they're going to see this apparition. And then the question comes, can we even share this with our parents and our family? And when they do, I think it's, Yahinta is going to be the first one that, that cannot keep quiet because this is so impactful in her life that she's going to speak up. And what we're going to see is, people say, how does that relate to the Holy Instant? The entire perceptual world will begin to unravel for the families, for the families of the area. Um, you can imagine the priest at the church, you know, is not going to be happy with this. The mayor of, the, of Fatima is, is not happy. The parents of other children are not happy. It's, it's going to create a, a giant rift. And the reason I'm, I'm telling you this is because we have already talked about this. We, that was a big theme last night that Kirsten and, 
and Lisa were addressing, like, how do you deal with children? How do you deal with family members? Uh, Portia was, was saying, how do I, how do I deal with, uh, with my sister? Um, and there, and Delisa, hi Delisa, we know you're, you're feeling a calling now. First you came through David Hawkins, and then some of my videos, and now you're here. So you're feeling a calling. But there, the thought is in your mind, like, well, my parents uh, definitely, how are they going to take this? Watch, watch little Yehinta. Watch this little, maybe she's maybe like seven or eight years old. Go, girl, go. When she sees Mother Mary, I don't care if you have the armies of Europe trying to stop this little seven, eight-year-old girl because she's going for the holy instant. She's going for the holy instant. She's willing to face anything that anyone will throw at her because she loves God. God, God doesn't really care. The Holy Spirit doesn't care if you seem to believe you're a seven or eight-year-old body or a ten-year-old body or you're a grown woman or man. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to reach you and say, come on, come back here with me. Come be, see, you're the dreamer of this dream. Don't, don't be stopped. I see Amanda there, when little Jesus, grandchild Jesus comes, he wants to join in these gatherings. She's got to give up one of her earbuds, because Jesus is like, give me an earbud. I want to participate. He's not called Jesus for nothing. Don't think you have a Jesus in your family for no reason. Holy Spirit's giving you fair warning. <laughs> the, the world's going bye-bye, and little Jesus, baby Jesus, is part of it. So you can see, this is what I'm talking about. And, and I'm not sure if Stephanie is with it, but she was there with her little daughter uh, last night on there too. And, and she was saying, how do I deal with this? And, and what it is, is you have to be willing, when you say yes to the holy instant, you just have to be willing to let the self-concept teeter and totter. Bridget, you know, you've been talking about your children. Yeah, now you're on the holy instant retreat. <laughs> and this movie is going to show you exactly how. <laughs> it's going to demonstrate. Watch this little Yehinta. Watch this tiny little Portuguese woman, girl, you know, she's just a little girl. And, and then the Spanish flu comes after this movie and she, she goes away in the Spanish flu. But she's just a little Portuguese saint. Her body, Yehinta's body uh, did not decay when she, she got the flu and everything, Spanish flu, but she was like Paramahansa Yogananda. That body did not decay. She, she was doing this she was doing this before Paramahansa Yogananda's body didn't decay. Little Portuguese girl said, here I'll show you how it's done. <laughs> you just have so much devotion to God that you don't let anybody's opinion keep you from the holy instant. So she, her body wasn't necessary very long. She was here and gone. But we're going to see her today in action. And little Yehinta is not messing around with the ego. She's she is going for the holy instant. She's, she's saying, okay, say whatever you want. I saw what I saw. I heard what I heard. And I'm going to speak what Mother Mary told me to speak. Come hell or high water. Just try to stop me, priest. You try to stop me, mom. 
<laughs> you try to stop me, friends, family, the you, even the the governor, the priest, the Catholic Church is not going to like it, what Yehinta has to say, but she's she's going for the holy instant. You see, she is not people pleasing with her projections. She's basically going to say, "Listen, I saw what I saw, I heard what I heard, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and take it, take it or leave it, <laughs> but I'm taking it." You know. And this is an extreme example of no people-pleasing. This is an extreme example of, of no private thoughts. This is like Jesus reaching us right now saying, you can do this. Look at the little Lehinta. She did it back in, in 1917 and you can do it now. You know, is there's no difference. Time is not a factor here. It's just your willingness to say yes to God and mean it and really go for it. So, I will come in during the movie, but I think you're going to really enjoy this movie because this movie will show you, you have the faith and the strength to undo the self-concept, whatever that self-concept seems to be. It cannot stop you from being the Christ. It cannot stop you from being you as God created you, as pure eternal love. Okay. Get your popcorn ready, off we go. Jesus is pushing the boat off. We've now left the shore and we are going into the deep with Jesus. And there's a little one showing up with Chiquita. <laughs> He's ready for the trip. <laughs> so, the important thing to know about these apparitions and over the years, and of course, many different cultures, and over the years, many different countries, there have been apparitions. Um, and the apparitions appear to meet the belief system. So, here we have three children that are being raised in very very Catholic families in Portugal in 1917 and the apparition appears in a way that it could be helpful to them. You see, the Holy Spirit will always use your belief system, whatever you believe in, and will reach you when you are ready to get the message. If you would be too frightened to have an apparition, then the apparition will not appear. Uh, because the Holy Spirit would never frighten you. The Holy Spirit will use what you believe in and your readiness to receive. And then give you symbols that you can relate to. And for these children, Mother Mary, uh, the world needs peace, uh, pray the rosary, come back to this point, um, and, and help. She's basically saying, I, I'm calling you to be messengers, as, we, as Francis was talking about yesterday. Lesson 154 in the workbook of A Course in Miracles says, I am among the ministers of, jo of God and that you first have to receive the message yourself. All the messages that come from the Spirit are first for you and then they're to be given away. So you strengthen them. You see how it works? Just like in this world, if you have a messenger, 
the messenger doesn't write the message. The messenger, that's the job, is to take the message and deliver the message to whoever the messenger is supposed to deliver to. But with miracles, you're, you will receive the message and then you will be told, you will feel where you're to extend the message. And nothing is random and nothing is accidental. The ones that you're to deliver this message to will be sent. You don't have to figure it out. Uh, sometimes, like with Portia, last night she was saying, wow, I, I never really get along. You don't know. This sister of mine, is, she's been, it's, we've had a difficult relationship, but I really want it healed. It's not so much of you deciding for yourself who you're supposed to deliver the messages to. <laughs> Jesus knows where the messages are supposed to go in the plan. That's why you have to listen and follow. You can't just say, oh, so-and-so needs the message and so-and-so, because if you decide for yourself where the messages are delivered, you will get mixed results. <laughs> Sometime it will blow up in your face <laughs> and you'll say, what? I was doing my job. I, I'm telling you the message and Jesus is like, no, I don't, don't put my miracles where there's no receptivity. They have to be going to people who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. You know, Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. Blessed are those who have the eyes to see, the ears to hear. The ears to hear. Jesus knows who has the ears to hear. That's why Jesus is directing the plan of awakening. And with these three little children, they go to the fields and they're out there and, and the, the two cousins cannot understand why Lucia's mother is, is, won't let her dance. And they're saying to Lucia, what does that have to do with you? And she said, well, we prayed to bring Manuel home and we would do the rosary and we would my mother believes we have to sacrifice now to get Manuel home. You know, that's part of the sacrificial belief. You have to do penance, you have to sacrifice your life in order for things to work out for favor by God. That's not really how it works, but these little children are being called by Mary, used by the Holy Spirit to, to be little messengers. And of course, Francisco, he he was a, a little bit, he couldn't uh, see her at first, and then uh, he couldn't hear her. After he saw her, he couldn't hear her. What's she saying about me <laughs> to the girls? And basically, you could read the lips of Mary, you know, he needs to do more rosary. He, he wasn't ready to hear her voice. That's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? It shows how individualized the, the Holy Spirit's uh, curriculum is. It only comes when you're ready. and. For a moment there, Francisco wasn't ready to see her. He said, I'm not going along with this joke. And then, whoosh, then he could see her, but he couldn't hear her. What's she saying? What's she saying? So with his seeming level of readiness, he's able to see her now along with his, his uh, cousin and Lucia and his uh, sister. They, but basically, they, it always comes to you in what you're ready for. And for many people, that would be extremely frightening. If they had an apparition that would come to them, uh, they would tell me, I've had people tell me, if, 
If Jesus or Mother Mary comes into my bedroom, I am absolutely going to freak, David. I don't care what, what you tell me. I don't have them come in there, because if they sit on the end of my bed, I'm just going to, I'm going to lose it. And I said, don't worry, no apparitions are coming to you uh, uh, if, if you would be afraid. It's always to bring a blessing for those that are ready. It, it doesn't come to you unless you're ready for it. It has to be helpful. Then you th see these three children out there, they're just good friends, they're cousins, they're chatting, they're talking, and then little uh, Asinta is like, let's, let's pray like we always do, and oh, isn't that touching? They sit there and they belt out, Ave Maria, oh my gosh, what, what a blessing these three kids are, they're just calling out at the top of their lungs, and it's echoing through the canyons, Ave Maria! That's how you pray when you're, when you're eight or ten years old. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't necessarily have to pray ritualistic, but you could feel the joy behind their prayer. You could feel the, the glee behind their Ave Maria. You could feel the faith that they had, and then, and then, she appears to them. And I've noticed in my life, you know, I've had so many miracles, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you <laughs> all the miracles. I couldn't be put in one movie, I'll tell you, these last 36 years, but there have been many kind of out-of-pattern experiences that, that the world would have no explanation for if I if I tried to talk about them all, some people would say, mm, David's lost his marbles, or David's not all there. But for me, they were there because I was ready to perceive them. I, I, would, I would pray, I would be ready. Sometimes I would use words, sometimes it was just a prayer of silence in my heart, but I was asking, show me the way, show me the way. And then once I started to like take off with Jesus to start traveling and everything, there were so many miracles every day that I really understood what he meant when he said, miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something has gone wrong. We're not used to th thinking that way, you know. We, we may believe, okay, you know, parting of the Red Sea or walking on water or, you know, healing the sick or raising the dead. But those didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. There's a lot of miracles and a lot of apparitions that have occurred over these last uh, 20 centuries since the time of, of Jesus. And, but they always come when you're ready for them. It's highly individualized. And it's, we can learn from the experiences of others, even if you have not seen an apparition. Jesus says in the Course, you can learn from the experiences of others and from my experiences. That's why it's helpful to read the Gospels. That's why we, we enjoy the Gospels. Some of you in the Bible or some of you read the Urantia book, the last section of the Urantia book, The Life and Teachings of Jesus. Very wonderful because it's reaching us with what we believe in. You know, it's still reaching us with the symbols of time and space. Parables, sermons, you know, we love it. I, I couldn't get enough of it. I was, I was drinking up, you know, 
Course in Miracles. Uh, I was reading the Urantia book, <laughs> the last section, uh, and and then there was another book that, that had all these uh, teachings of Jesus, and I, I couldn't get enough. I was just drinking, drinking it up, uh, soaking myself in it. Uh, the life and teachings of Jesus were very, very important for me, and I couldn't get enough. So, we've seen now, this is the first aspect of, of the Holy Instant, is you just have to pray the prayer and just be willing to be shown in a way that you can understand, in a way that you can take it in, in a way that it, it has meaning for you. That's all you're praying for. You're praying to be shown in a way that you can relate to, based on your belief system. And now we're going to see that, as the children are, have seen Mother Mary, and now they're going to start walking back, then comes the question of discernment, like, should we tell anybody? I know if little David was 10 years old, and I was out with my two cousins, and and we saw Mother Mary, or, or Jesus, or anyone, any of the apostles, if I saw any of them, if I came back to my mom and dad, and at the dinner table, I said, well, here's what I did today, and I guess who I met. Uh, this would not have gone over very big. <laughs> this, this is not something that David should be uh, talking about <clears throat> at the dinner table. Uh, this is a Christian family, but it's like, come on now, you know, let's, let's not get too supernatural here. So you can see that right now, little Lucinta and, and Lucia and Francesco, they're going to already have to make some decisions about discernment. It's, it's not easy to discern what you should say and what you shouldn't say when you're only 10 years old or 8 years old. Adults have trouble <laughs> discerning what to say, to who to say it, and when to say it. You can only imagine at 10, 8, 10, 8 years old that, that what, what they're dealing with here is like, okay, but, but it's basically, it's for them. M many apparitions just appear to what seems to be one person, but this is three. Um, and, and as the movie goes on, you're going to see kind of a miracle toward the end of the movie that's going to be in front of thousands and thousands of people. And that is extremely rare in human history <laughs> for thousands of people to perceive the same thing. You know it's a symbol <laughs> when, when thousands witness the same thing. It's very, very, very rare. Apparitions are rare, but group I'm going to call this a group apparition. <laughs> that is extremely rare. I would say, pay attention. There must be something very important and significant. Don't discount this so quickly. Don't dismiss this. I, I have a friend, Miguel, who, who is always telling me, listen, that thing with Fatima, it was just a UFO. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. You got to really, it shows you got to be ready to hear and see, you know, what it is. It's because number two workbook lesson, I, I have given everything I see, all the meaning it has for me. And believe me, the ego will dismiss apparitions for sure. 
uh, because it's not so interested in God. <laughs> God is the end of the ego game. And so these symbols are always for us to increase our faith. That's the only valuable use of symbols, is to increase your faith. And Jesus told Thomas in the Bible, Jesus said to Thomas, he said, during the resurrection when he came back, he said, Blessed are those who have seen and who have believed. And then Jesus said to Thomas, Far greater blessed are those who have not seen and who have believed. You see, Jesus was actually teaching faith. And he actually even says in the, in the 50 miracle principles that, that uh, miracles should, should not be used for, uh, for uh, to try to convince others um, as displays. He's, he's saying um, that that's just not the best use of miracles. They're, they're not being, shouldn't be used as kind of an extraordinary display. Miracles should be natural. Your faith opening up, your faith in, in God is what this is all about. You're, you're not trying to convince anybody. You're just praying that your mind will be convinced to see that there's only one of us. That's not a small thing, <laughs> to pray, to see that we're all the same. In a world of ego projections where we all seem to be different, that is no small thing. And that takes a lot of faith, let's be honest. If we're going to the holy instant, we really have to just have faith. The faith of little children. <laughs> and today the little children are, are stepping up and, and they're showing the way to us. Uh, they're going to show how to do it. They're going to show us really how to do it in the face of a lot of resistance. They're going to walk right through it uh, and show us how it's done. Okay, here we go. So, this is important to start to realize. Again, this is the ego's world. And the ego made everything of this world, every aspect of the cosmos is a projection of the ego. So Jesus never tells us to minimize the ego. He tells us it's, he calls it a tiny mad idea. Uh, Jesus says, into eternity where all is one, there crept a tiny mad idea at which the Son of God remembered not to laugh. So the cosmos and the world that we perceive, our perception, we have to remember that it's coming from a false belief, but also that our mind is extremely powerful. When the scientists are wondering, what, how did the Big Bang happen? <laughs> well, Jesus is giving an answer to the Big Bang. He's basically saying, your mind was created by God. You have all the power of your Creator but now you're dealing with imagination. You're dealing with fiction. Every day, on a daily basis, you are in the realm of fantasy. You are in the realm of fiction. The world of time and space, the cosmos, is the realm of unreality. But it's believed to be real. The mind is so powerful that Jesus even says, what you believe, you make real for you. 
not in eternity. It's not eternal. It's just uh, like uh, in Corinthians in the Bible it said you're looking through a darkened glass. That's, that's what the ego is. It's definitely a dark filter. It's a darkened glass. And we need the vision of Christ. We need to reconnect with the holy instant and the light of Christ. But you can see with these three children, uh, Francisco and Lucia was don't tell anyone. And little Jacinta, she couldn't even keep the secret. <laughs> She's She's such a good little messenger that she couldn't even keep the secret. She felt so much love and gratitude with that that she told her parents. And her mother told her father, well, these children have never told lies. You know, like why would they start lying now? They've never told lies. And Lucinta, Lucinta's father is like, well, I don't know. I wouldn't know what to believe now. I, I just don't know. And, and this, you can see when, when she's praying to Mother Mary in the, in the chapel, here comes the priest, and he said, she told me it all and everything, but right away, he basically starts saying, you know, well, uh, some people could, could be playing a trick on you, he tells Lucia, or worse. And then he starts to say, it could have been the devil in disguise. And you got to remember, this is the realm of time and space that the devil made. We're in devil land here. <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not dealing with the kingdom of heaven here. We're dealing every day with devil land. Distractionville, fiction, fantasy, projection. Every day, we, we may seem to get accustomed to the images, but Jesus is saying, I want you to forgive them. I don't want you to believe in their reality. Believe in the Holy Spirit. Believe in your instructions that you get every day from the Holy Spirit. But don't put faith in the images because if you do, you are believing, you are giving reality to something that God didn't create. If you look at the first lesson of the 365 lessons of A Course in Miracles, the very first lesson is nothing I see means anything. Wow, you know it's Jesus. You know it's it's the presence beyond this world. If he starts out his workbook, first lesson out of 365, and it's nothing I see means anything, he's teaching the, the great non-dualistic teachings of the Advaita Vedanta, the great ancient Indian text of uh, the Vedanta. He's teaching pure non-duality awakening coming to know the truth of, of oneself. But you can see how the temptations, particularly in Lucia's mother, and particularly in the priest of the very church where she prays, are basically reflecting doubt thoughts. And as you go through your awakening process, you will have to face your doubt thoughts. Uh, Jesus calls them in the work in the manual for teachers. He calls them magic thoughts, and he's saying, "How how do God's teachers deal with magic thoughts? How how is Lucia going to deal with with these uh, thoughts of the doubt thoughts of her mother acted out, and the doubt thoughts of the the priest the uh, acted out, 
And Jesus says, the first responsibility you have is not to attack them. <laughs> so, you can see little Lucia, she's just, she's like, they're true. They're, it's true, it's real, it happened, and then she goes rushing in to pray to Mother Mary and saying, you know, this Jacinta, you know, she's, she's braver than me, even though she's younger. <laughs> Please forgive me, Mother Mary. <laughs> like, like little Jacinta, she's, she's not budging. Uh, she's, she couldn't keep a secret, and now that the, the cat's out of the bag, don't expect her <laughs> to, to change her mind, because she's had an experience that's so joyful for her in her life. Even though she's quite young, you know, she, she's still, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful reflection for her, and it has done the job of strengthening her faith. That's the purpose of the apparition, strengthen the faith. But I think more than that is this movie will show you that you must not give in to doubt thoughts. When you read The Course in Miracles, you feel that that's Jesus speaking to you. That's the truth being delivered right to your mind through those words. And Jesus is saying, have faith in me. There will be doubt thoughts that will arise. The ego is unconscious. It will come up. Sometimes you'll feel these doubt thoughts in your mind. Sometimes they will be acted out in other people. But don't be tricked either way. Have the faith, because Jesus says, my faith in you is perfect. You still are, are learning to trust and develop trust, but Jesus says, my faith in you is perfect. He's basically saying, I know we're the same one. I know you're the Christ. And he's basically saying, and I know I'm the Christ, there's one of us. <laughs> and God created us, and appearances to the contrary, we still are as God created us. We are not bodies, we are pure spirit, and if you keep following and trusting in me, my f perfect faith in you will, will carry you. In fact, Jesus at one point says, uh, I stand at the door. You're knocking, I stand at the, the door, the gateway. Um, and while I stand at the door, the door can never be shut because I live forever. Whoa! I started crying the first time I read that in the Course. I stand at the door and as long as I'm at this door, the door can never be shut, and I live forever. Oh, wow! That just came over me. I thought, whoa, what a love! This is a, Jesus has perfect faith in me, even if my faith isn't perfect. Even if I'm just saying yes to be a miracle worker and move in the, move in the right direction toward the light, you, you can't mess this up, because Jesus has perfect faith. That's, he knows who we really are. We're all the same Christ. And he's going to work with us, and he's still going to give us the words of comfort. He's still going to give us the instructions. He's still going to be with us every single moment of every single day in a practical way. A very practical way. And, and what we're seeing is Lucia is now the first one who's starting to face the doubt thoughts. And, and that's there for all of us. Jesus is using this movie to say, 
have faith in the holy instant and and don't crumble when when the ego tries to throw you back uh, with uh, fear and without don't give in to the fear okay watch these little three little ones go the children are showing the way today you know except you become as little children you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven this is our movie today we're out on the water with Jesus we've left the shore and we're we're with the kids now the kids have got us in their hands okay this is what I would call the undoing of the self-concept uh, and when Jesus is undoing the self-concept he's undoing the false meanings of allegiance and identity that you have given to the ego based on the ego's concepts and roles so we know from the Bible that Jesus taught years ago who is my father mother sister brother he that does the will of our father in heaven is father mother sister brother but you see the ego has made up a false identity and it's pieced it together through using shreds of the past everything that we perceive with our five senses is is of the past that's lesson number seven in the workbook I see only the past and what Jesus is doing when he trains our mind with the workbook is he says I have to show you a new way of seeing it's called vision vision of Christ that's why he has lessons like above all else I am determined to see above all else I am determined to see things differently that's straight from the workbook he's he's leading us towards a spiritual vision the vision of Christ that is not of this world it's not of the five senses but we're seeing a very important part of this movie is that basically maybe in your case you're reading A Course in Miracles and people around you are saying what is this book that you're reading who did it come from <laughs> what is it telling you to do what is it instructing you to do in the case of these children you know they have seen a vision and and mother mary basically said come back next month and now they are not only facing the doubt thoughts of their parents but but the mayor the the priest in the church uh, a lot of other parents are basically doubting uh, they're calling them these are children's games why are you deceiving so many people you see all these kind of things and basically now there's people starting to show up that that have heard about what happened and they're seeing the children as as these seers and so they've got a following going now imagine being you know eight to ten years old and now you've got a following to deal with you've got doubting parents the mayor of the town brings the police to confront your mother <laughs> in the town square uh, basically say this is this could be harmful to our town uh, you you really need to watch this more closely and so this is what happens when you start to go through authentic spiritual transformation in your mind you will call forth witnesses of your right mind the Holy Spirit's witnesses 
and you will call witnesses of the wrong mind. That's why they call it a split mind, you see? And that's why it gets to be pretty confusing when you start to work with the Course. Because you're going through a purification process. You're going through a purification of your heart and mind. And you're asking for the holy instant. You're asking to to be consistently right-minded. Right and the ego is like, oh no, 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 no. This is my world. These are my witnesses. And I'm going to have them witness for fear and doubt, you see. Even with Jesus, you know, he, he called his apostles. And some of you know that uh, the nickname some people gave to Thomas was Doubting Thomas. This was even one of Jesus's 12 apostles was called Doubting Thomas over the centuries. And Thomas had temptations to disbelieve Jesus. Um, and, and you know, we also know with Judas, you know, uh, Judas according to the story, he was the one that gave Jesus up to the authorities uh, he was the one who was paid all this uh, silver. It's quite a striking thing in the story of Jesus to have one of the apostles being paid off with a bribe of silver and giving up his Lord and Master to the authorities. Although Jesus assures us, uh, uh, he says, I didn't believe in betrayal. So Jesus doesn't see Judas <laughs> as the betrayer. He knows there was no betrayal. He followed God and that everyone is innocent in the love of God. There, There is no one guilty. There is no betrayer. In the world's terms, Jesus says, it looks like I was I was beaten and and torn and crucified. He says, but I do not share that perception. <laughs> he said the, the the only meaning of the crucifixion is teach only love. Whoa! That is a very high perception, Jesus, <laughs> for that particular event. <laughs> teach only love, for that is what you are. That's the meaning of the crucifixion? Okay. So now we see that the interpretation of pure innocence and pure love is very, very high. Very, very, very high. And now, with these little children, they don't have A Course in Miracles back in uh, 1917, but they have gone to the field and called out with all the joy in their heart, Ave, 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 Maria, 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 Maria. And they have been answered. <laughs> uh, she knows her name, <laughs> and she, she, she heard the prayer, even if it's been 19 centuries, doesn't matter. These little mystics and saints are have got beautiful hearts, and they've been raised to love God and to pray for God, uh, to know God. That's the core prayer. So, how does this relate to you? Well, this relates to you when you answer this call. You're being called to wake up, to forgive the world. Even with a split mind, Jesus is, yes, he's calling calling you out of the world. He's saying, your home is heaven. You have an actual eternal home of love and light and oneness. 
and in truth you never left, but you believe that you left. And now I'm going to reach you and I'm going to guide you. And what is he going to guide us to do except to release the false self-concept in which we have believed? You see, he's, he, he's saying you can't, have, you can't worship idols, which are all these images of time and space and all these false identities, roles, you know, we played, of course we wore a lot of masks. All of us can say we wore a lot of masks. I don't know anybody who, who nobody's come to me and they, they've not said, oh, I don't wear any mask. <laughs> they, they're usually trying to clear away the mask, you know, as best they can, release the idols. And, and so these little children are really showing us that the calling is really to follow the instructions of what Mary is, is, representing to them and teaching them and she is calling them as messengers and they are having to face all their doubt thoughts like all of us have had to face. Uh, that's the definition of a split mind is to have fear and fear manifests as doubt thoughts. Uh, people telling you you're wrong, you've gone the wrong direction, you've gone the wrong way, you know, you're you're going to be sorry, you know, I've heard that, I've heard that a few times, maybe a few hundred times. David, you're going to be really sorry. <laughs> you're going to really see that you wasted your life. And I'm like, I, I'm seeing so many miracles. The waste is not the word that's coming to my mind. Joy, <laughs> happiness. Glee is coming to mind, but waste is not exactly uh, on my mind. I don't feel like it's been a waste. Oh, but you blew, you tossed away your career. Well, maybe that was just a role I was playing. <laughs> you know, maybe there's a bigger, a bigger self, a bigger reality that that I'm being called to. And and I, you know, oftentimes people say, well, you know, you've been at this. They said, I don't know many people who've been practicing the course like you did for 36 years, but but you you had to sacrifice so much and you had to give up so much. Sure, you're happy now, but look what you gave up. And I, I well, actually, I don't feel like I gave up anything. I'm actually, I don't even believe in, in sacrifice anymore. I'm, I'm happy consistently because I don't believe in sacrifice. I don't think that a loving God would create sacrifice. Why would it be a sacrifice to wake up to your reality and what could you really be, give, leave behind if it was, Jesus is convincing me, you're leaving nothing behind. There was one point with Jesus, I said, come on, give it to me straight. What's the deal? Give me the deal. What is the deal here? And he said, well, you have to give up nothing so you can receive everything. That's the deal. <laughs> you want it straight? Give up nothing and receive everything. That's the deal. And he said, I need to convince you of that. I know you don't fully believe that, but you will. You will fully believe it when you experience it. You'll know. So, this is good because we can see that even though there's a lot of doubt thoughts, Jacinta, Francisco, Francisco and Lucia, they are going back to the place where Mother Mary said, I'll be back. I'll come next month. And, and when that day is coming, uh, they are not letting their doubt thoughts stop them <laughs> from going to where they've been told to go. 
So here we go. Uh, there's a few other people that are uh, starting to <laughs> to follow and believe too. Uh, they're drawing forth some witnesses miraculously to their amazing uh, faith. So <clears throat> Mother Mary appears and before she appears the parents come with this little boy and they, among many requests please ask the mother as Mother Mary to pray for our son who cannot walk and basically other parents are coming with their requests and everything and you can see already that with little Jacinta she she is starting to take it take it in take the the miracle in she's a messenger of God and as we will go through this movie, we will see her being a witness of this faith expanding. And then also in the last scene that we saw, you know, here we see Lucia and she's just looking and she's seeing all these coffins. This is the time of World War One, So, you know, things have not changed between 1917 and 2022. We see there are many mothers who have have seen their children in Ukraine come back in coffins or or they've heard they've fled the country and they've heard that their their children have died in the fighting the witnesses of this world the strongest witness that you have to overcome is that death jesus saying that's the last temptation you have you're tempted to believe in sickness you're tempted to believe in competition, you're tempted to believe in scarcity, and the last that shall be overcome is death. Because the ego is behind all of these tricks. It's behind the competition, it's behind the, the sickness, it's behind the death. It's behind, it's made this world. And basically we're being called to the holy instant to have faith to go beyond the sight of this world. Sometimes people will say, well, I'm an atheist because everything that I've seen my whole life through my five senses show me that there either is no God or that God is cruel. And if you just believe in your five senses <laughs> and you don't expand your faith, then that, that would be a conclusion. Uh, I've sat down and I've had many talks with atheists all over the world. I, I love talking to atheists because I feel their loving heart underneath and they they say to me I, I David I just cannot believe in a, a God who punishes and a God who uh, and a God of hatred who turns from love to hatred and everything like this and I just smile at him and I go yeah me either <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe in that God either I think probably sometimes maybe sometime in the future I'll get a uh, an invitation to a convention, Atheist Unite. <laughs> if they invite me, I'll be there. <laughs> and, and I've had other people to say, how can you show certain movies that Atheist made that movie? And I'd say, I don't care who made it. I, I care what it's, what it's showing. If it's showing the contradictions of the ego, I'm going to have a good laugh <laughs> because the ego is contradictory. And God is pure love. And God could never turn anyone away. 
my grandmother and I, she got to be, lived to be 99, and she seemingly lost her uh, eyesight, physical eyesight, but, but we had the most wonderful conversations. She would say to me, Dave, I just can't believe God would ever turn anyone away. And I would say, I agree with you 100%. So the key here is that the five senses are part of the ego's projection. Uh, they're not really in the body. They're actually, the five senses are, are concepts in the mind. And then the body just acts out what the ego tells it to do. And that's why people get so de depressed because the, what they see through their five senses doesn't look like it, it could come from a loving God. And it doesn't. It comes, from, it comes from a death wish. The five senses are part of the death wish. And you have to have faith and intuition and, and follow guidance to transcend this uh, kind of a sneaky trick of time and space and, and perception. But um, what I did think it was really wonderful was what Mother Mary had to tell them again uh, basically Lucia is saying we want to go to heaven and then Mother Mary's answer is uh, well Francesco and uh, Vicenta soon they will be with me and uh, and then Lucia has a big reaction to that like there's three of us here. Why are, why are the two young ones going to heaven and what, what about me, you know? And Mother Mary says, I am always with you. You have a mission. You have a mission to share my Immaculate Heart. And in a time long, long from now, I will come there and I will be with you. You see how different that is from the earth perception to the, the bigger perception. Basically, all the three children have all got an assignment, but the two young ones, the cousins, they're just for this brief assignment and then their assignment's over. <laughs> you know, uh, what job well done and, and time does not count in eternity. You know, they just had an assignment for this brief time and then the Spanish flu comes along and boom, uh, Jacinta and, uh, and Francisco will be gone. But, from the interpretation for Lucia, she's like, you could see on her face, it was almost the look of like, why are you excluding me? Uh, I want to be in heaven too, but, but she just doesn't have the big picture yet, you know, which is that these bodies are just being used by the Holy Spirit. And actually, Mary knows in her heart, no one dies. <laughs> no one dies. She will share some things in this movie that I will help you with the reinterpretation of, you know. Uh, I think with, there's one time in the movie where, Jesus, where she's basically, she's saying something like, my son, my son is offended, is offended by this world. Well, that needs a little bit of interpretation by me because Actually, Christ is not offended uh, by anything. <laughs> Christ is one with God. Christ doesn't even know what offense means, but but to give you an example about that, I, I was like, well, I've got a, a big Zoom room group today, Jesus. Uh, maybe, do you have anything in the course about being offended in Christ? 
that can help my audience out with. And Jesus is like, yeah, chapter 11. <laughs> chapter 11. He says, if you perceive offense in a brother, pluck the offense from your mind, for you are offended by Christ and are deceived in him. Heal in Christ and be not offended by him, for there is no offense in him. Oh my gosh, he's, he's interpreting Mother Mary's appearance <laughs> on my iPhone here from A Course in Miracles. And he's just saying, yeah, the whole idea of offended is, is the ego. The ego is offended by Christ for sure. <laughs> but Christ is not offended. But if you believe in the ego, you can perceive that you are offended by the things of this world. And of course, that's what Lucia was just going through. She was offended that Mother Mary was saying, uh, well, Francesco and Jacinta are, are, are going to soon be with me in heaven, but in many years I'll be with you and, and you too, I will be there for you and you'll be with me in heaven. But it's the, it's the ego's time idea that always offends us. Our, we are offended by time. We are eternal creations. We are eternal creations. And when we believe in the ego, then we take a lot of offense at a lot of things, you know. And some of you have brought them up and written the questions and, you know, like, uh, uh, I guess it was um, the, the thing about Roe versus Wade and the, what if the Supreme Court over, overturns a woman's right to an abortion, Roe versus Wade, uh, or what about um, the what the massacre that happened in uh, Texas with the young children and everything and and again Jesus is saying just feel your emotions and you are used to the ego belief system and you're playing a game of react and respond so when you see the news about those children what happened to them in Texas don't be surprised if you feel bad, but realize that you're interpreting something through the ego's filter, and that's why you feel bad. You're looking through the darkened glass, and you'll feel bad as long as you keep believing in the ego, because you're going to feel its emotions. If you believe it's you, <laughs> then you get, you feel its emotions. You may feel outraged about the Supreme Court even considering overturning Roe versus Wade. You you may be outraged by what you perceive on the news that happened with those children in uh, in Texas. You may be outraged with scenes that you see from the the war uh, in Ukraine. All he's saying is, come bring them to me. Bring me your perceptions of what's happening. Bring to me your interpretations of what's happening, and I will show you the truth behind the illusions. I will, I will show you reality. I will show you who you really are, which is a beautiful being of love and light that God created. So use the experiences you have on earth. Don't, don't stuff them down and try to pretend that you're a perfect Course in Miracles student 
but actually let those emotions come up, whatever they are. If you feel sad, depressed, if you feel outraged, if you feel offended, that's, that's because of an interpretation that's in your mind. And what Jesus is saying, I will help you see the interpretation of the Holy Spirit, that all things work together for good, that, that right-minded seeing can see only perfection. I will help you understand that everything is working for your awakening and nothing is working against you. And, and really, that's what, what Jesus is really showing us, is he's saying, I'm there with you and I'm, I can't take your fear away because we're the same one and my mind was created with the same loving presence as, as God gave in all creation and I cannot intervene between your thoughts and the effects of your thoughts. Because Jesus is saying, if I intervened between your thoughts and the effects of your thoughts, I would basically be intervening with, in a way that I don't have the power to do. God created you, your spirit, just like me. And I had to face everything that I believed in and I had to face everything that I thought to realize that the ego isn't true. But, if I intervene between your ego, the belief in the ego and the effects, the projections of the world, which sometimes you do say, intervene for me, save me, Jesus, come off that cloud over there and, and, and save me. He's saying, I can't take your fear away, but I can show you how the fear arose in your mind, and I can teach you how to let the fear go. I can't take it away from you, but I can show you how you did this to yourself and how you can stop doing it. You see, that's what Jesus did. He, he faced the devil, he faced temptation, he faced the belief in separation, and he came up and through it like the phoenix. He rose up above the ego and, and then he spoke uh, in the Bible, it says, he said uh, that, uh, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He was really saying, be of good cheer, for I have transcended the belief in the ego. You see? And now he's saying, I can't take your fear away, but I can instruct you on what's going on in your mind, so you can free your mind, like I did, from the ego. You see how loving that is? He's saying, your mind's as powerful as my mind, because we, we share the same mind, so I can't rescue you. I, I can't come zooming into your mind and go, the hero is here, I will slay the ego, and, and you will be free. But he can show us that we've been attached to egoic thinking. And the reason we're upset is always because of our belief in the ego. It's never because of what's happening in the projection. It's only because of our believing in the ego and thinking the ego's thoughts. As Byron Katie often says, I have discovered that I cannot believe any of my thoughts. <laughs> that's, that's the way Byron Katie says it. I looked at my thoughts and I thought, I really, 
I, I can't believe any of them. <laughs> you see, that's a sweet way of saying, oh, I need to let go of my attack thoughts and my judgments because they're not my reality. And they, I really shouldn't invest my mind's belief in these thoughts at all. And the only way to do that is through, that's Byron Katie's way of saying, give up thinking you know what's going on. Give up judging people. Give up interpreting things and giving your power away to events and circumstances. So Byron Katie is teaching the same thing that Jesus is teaching in her own beautiful way. You know, it's another beautiful pathway to God through questioning your false beliefs. You know, using four questions to inquire and unwind your mind from these, uh, these beliefs. So here we go. Uh, the little ones are showing us now because it seems like Lucia is just facing these doubt thoughts from her, her mayor, her mother, uh, from, from the things that she's witnessing. Now she's just kind of hiding and she's looking and she's seeing a procession of, of people carrying coffins. And it's just pretty intense for her because she's just seeing lots of doubt thoughts uh, reflected back from the world. This is the, what happens with the split mind. You get mixed, uh, she's getting mixed emotions. On the one hand, she's, she looks at little Jacinta and she goes, wow, she's braver than I am. <laughs> she is not, she is not budging in her faith. And then she looks at the procession of coffins and she thinks, oh my God, what am I getting myself into? I, am I delivering a message that is is actually helpful. You see how the doubt thoughts can be when the priest and your mother are constantly in your face telling you you're deceiving people and it could bring uh, harm on the town and all these kind of doubt thoughts, then you really have to have the faith to let them go. You, you just cannot buy into doubt thoughts. Okay, so we can see again that even with the mayor and the mayor's wife is just working on the clothes and listening to his interactions, but when she comes closer to have a, an open-hearted discussion with him, basically the mayor's question to his own wife is, what does that have to do with us? What does, what these three children saying what they said they saw and saying what they said they heard, what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with our relationship? And I think that's, that's what happens when we start working with the Course. We start to realize that nothing happens in this world by accident. There are no chance encounters and that there must be some kind of greater plan that's bigger than what we know, that's actually working together for our good. And that the most important thing I would say is the faith. We're learning how to really pray. Maybe we learned how to pray with words, but we have to learn how to pray with our hearts. You know, really pray sincerely for what's important to us. Uh, there's a point where Jesus said, you know, faith and belief 
combine into a power surge that can move mountains. I'll say that again. Faith and belief combine into a power surge that can move mountains. And what he's saying is, your, the ego has taught you that you aren't powerful, that you don't have a powerful mind. It just says now you have a body with a brain. <laughs> you see, what a reduction. <laughs> Instead of having the mind that God created, the powerful mind of Christ, the ego has convinced you that you have a body with a brain. The ego has convinced you that your brain thinks. A lot of neuroscientists and scientists would say, well, of course, that's, that's how you think. It's the brain activity. And Jesus says that that little electronic uh, neurotransmitter that you think that's moving through your brain, if you think that neurotransmitter is thought, he says, that's like holding up a candle or to the sun. <laughs> you see, Jesus is saying like a little candle or a little stick, a match. He says, if you had a match in your hand, and that compared to the sun, as I, I see some of you are sun shining in your windows there, I see uh, Dina, Chesler, you're right there with the, the, the specs, the screen of green, maybe it's even a green screen of sun, but you're out in the sunshine, and Jesus is saying, to think that your brain thinks is like holding up a match to the sun. <laughs> you know, he's saying, brains don't think. Brains, little neurotransmitters moving through your brain is not your thoughts. He's laughing at the idea that those are thoughts. So, what he's showing us is we need to develop our faith. You know, we really do need to have faith. We really have to have faith that what Jesus is teaching us in the Course is actually very, very helpful. You know, sometimes people have said, why would you give up your whole life, David, for some ideas in a, in a blue book? And I'm like, well, you may think it's a blue book, but in my experience, the book was just to get me in touch with, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which actually is very important. And I say, you know, I, it's expanding our faith is the most important thing. It's taken me 36 years to, to allow the Holy Spirit and Jesus to grow my faith. And they say, but what about the things that count? And I'm like, what do you mean? How much money do you have in your bank account? How much do you own? How much do you possess? I just think it's laughable. If you think that stuff is important, <laughs> then you should see how important faith really is. <laughs> because you can, as Jesus says in the, in the miracle principles, he said, Jesus says, you can heal the sick and raise the dead because you made sickness and death and can abolish them both. Whoa! That is teaching us the value of hate, of faith. If, if faith can heal the sick and raise the dead, wouldn't you want your faith expanded? <laughs> wouldn't you rather have strong faith instead of believe that you're a victim of the world? Or that you're the victim of external circumstances? So this movie is showing us, because these three little children, 
they don't really have established um, careers. They're just children in the little town of Fatima in rural Portugal, north of Lisbon, and and basically uh, they're having experiences that are so dramatic to the people around them that that people either choose to believe in what they're saying and what they're doing or they choose to deny that what they're saying and doing has anything to do with their own lives. Like the mayor. What does that have to do with us? He's, he's pleading with his wife. <laughs> and his wife is trying to introduce the idea, I think it has everything to do with us. That's why even though we're different, as a husband and wife, we still work well together because there's a faith behind it that's helping us. And, and he's like saying, wait a minute, I'm the one that carried that little boy to the hospital. <laughs> you see, the mayor's like, I deserve the credit. I am, I did the miracle working. You see, he's trying to claim it, get, get attention for himself. And she's saying, what harm are three children the same age as our children who are listening to Mother Mary, you know? Why are, he says, that is a threat more dangerous than anything else, more dangerous than, than soldiers, he's concerned about the, the little uh, seers uh, are seen to be a bigger threat because it's the ego thought system that's threatened here, right? That's what we're seeing. It's the ego's thought system that's offended. It's not faith and truth is not offended in the least bit. So what a great movie. This is like a, one of the best teaching movies you'll ever see in your life. You, you, can, you can get hundreds of lessons from this one movie. <laughs> if you just have an open mind, you know, you can start to see how important the faith is. Okay, here we go. Wow, this is another huge lesson for us because you can see just by seeing the Mother Mary appearing to them, just by acknowledging that and starting to share her message that people have started to come from all over. Um, that Lucia's father, who she said, do you believe me? And he says, I don't know, but I will never leave you. And then the people start showing up for the appearance and they they just have a place, they need a place. They've come from far countries to be there for this appearance and they've trashed his field. He's a farmer. His very livelihood seems to be threatened by this whole thing. And now he's, he says to his wife, do you think I want to send away our daughter to work? Because the family, it's hard times, they don't even have money. And then you see little Asiya go over and, and climb into bed with her sister and saying, I don't want you to go away. So people will say to me, how can this be? How can this be part of God's plan? How can apparent loss happen from something that is, is such an important blessing? And what Jesus is teaching us in the Course is he's saying, again, you believe in what you perceive. That's how it, it got there. 
you believed it into existence, even though it's not real. And now, when you start to withdraw your mind from it, from the ego, it's going to seem to you like things are being taken away from you. Her, Lucia's father is saying, I've lost my field. I'm a farmer and I've lost my way to earn money. Uh, people have trampled on, on, my, uh, on my field and my way of making money. I now have to send away my daughter to earn money. Before I didn't, I had a field that could provide money for the family. Uh, the mayor is concerned that he will lose his position. The mayor is concerned for the whole town that because of what these three children are, have seen and are talking about, now his reputation as a mayor is going to be threatened by other politicians and other people in other countries. They're, he's concerned that uh, he's going to be like a laughingstock. And then you saw people in the street that were coming up and yelling and a woman was yelling and screaming at Lucia saying, I prayed to God for my son and he took my son from me. Uh, and now you're saying the Mother Mary is, is appearing to you, but you can see the mother has such anger that she's been praying vigilantly for her son and then her son dies in the war. And you see how faith is easily undercut by appearances in this world. If you believe you're praying for something specific and it doesn't come out the way you prayed for it, the temptation is that God doesn't answer prayer. You see, that's why we have to go so much deeper. I'm really grateful for the Bible, but we need to go really deep here to understand. So with this last situation we just saw with the father and the, the daughter being sent away and everything, I actually feel that for those of you that are practicing A Course in Miracles, Many of you have experienced the same thing. I've heard many people tell me, life wasn't so bad for me. But then, I started studying A Course in Miracles, and the wheels came off. <laughs> David, I started practicing sincerely A Course in Miracles, and my life went much worse. <laughs> uh, and, and here's a passage now that Jesus has, this is from the section in the Manual for Teachers called The Development of Trust. The Development of Trust. This is at the beginning. This is the first stage. The very beginning of developing your faith and trust. And here's what Jesus says. First they, meaning us miracle workers, that's us, they. <laughs> First, they must go through what might be called a period of undoing. Are you ready or are you with me? I went through this. It was hell. <laughs> I can tell you. My ego said it was hell. <laughs> Jesus said, good, good, good. You're taking your first step in waking up. Uh, you know. But he says, first they must go through what might be called a period of undoing. In quotes. This need not be painful but it usually is so experienced. This is coming from Jesus. This is the way shower 
Oh, he knows. He knows what it takes to let go of the ego. This is one who's done it. This isn't a theory. This is an actual way shower who's been through it all and knows the way. He says, it seems as if things are being taken away and it is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. Oh my gosh, that's what all this seeming loss is about? I'm starting to change my value system <laughs> from the value of the ego's things of the world to the value of faith and connection with the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus knows what's going on here. This is not anything going wrong. The ego says, wait, whoa, whoa. Lucia's father is saying, this is terrible. You know, you may be seeing the Mother Mary, but my, my field is trashed, you know. You see, it seems as if things are being taken away and it is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is being recognized. How can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light? He is not yet at a point at which he can make the shift entirely internally. And so the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seem to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. When the teacher of God has learned that much, he goes on to the second stage. So this is just the first stage. And you can see that for, not only for Lucia, she feels like, oh my God, I'm losing my relationship with my mother. I'm losing my relationship with my father. She has a, a little vision where her brother in the vision comes back and Manuel, everybody's dancing and celebrating in the vision and then he says, don't ever go back to that place where the lady is. You see, the devil, the ego is so tricky, it's even giving her visions of abandonment. Like, don't ever go back. You have to abandon the lady if you want to support the family. And then the brother says in the vision, let's, let's keep things the way they have been. You see, that's what he told her. Don't go back to where the lady is because let's keep things the way they were. Let's keep the past as the past. Let's stay in our false comfort zone. Like uh, Lisa talked about last night, she was in like a, a hazy false comfort zone. She was a CEO of her own company, nursing staffing company. She had, she owned her house. She had her children. She ticked off all the boxes of being successful. And then she got A Course in Miracles, and then things started to shift <laughs> dramatically. <laughs> in fact, when Lisa was guided by the Spirit to put her business up for sale, and it was on uh, a stock exchange even already, when Lisa put up her business for sale, 
Guess how long it took before she had a buyer and it sold? Two days. <laughs> she put her business for sale and then two days later her employees read about it in the newspaper. So when she went to work, all of her employees said, what the hell? You sold the company and you didn't even tell us <laughs> that you were selling the company? And Lisa's response was, oh, that's not true. Don't believe everything you read in the paper. <laughs> I think Jesus was working so fast in her mind that she couldn't even believe it. <laughs> she, she had to tell the employees, oh, don't believe that. Don't believe what you said in the paper. And then finally she had to realize, you have to tell them the truth. You just sold the company. <laughs> you can't lie to all your workers, you know. They're going to have a different boss uh, very quickly here. You sold the company. So we have so many parables in our community over the years where things seem to be taken away. And including the one that uh, um, was mentioned last night with Lisa's sister, the details were that Lisa's sister seemed to be raped and murdered and left in a field. And that's what she had to forgive. And that's why uh, she was, they were saying, wow, that story of how you forgave uh, what happened with your sister was so important. It actually is a beautiful parable because there was one point when the man who was arrested and, and thrown into jail for raping and murdering uh, Lisa's sister, at one point, Lisa was with me and the community and we were always working on forgiveness, but it, it came to be the month we just had, May, and Jesus used Lisa. Basically, she got, uh, she said, um, the, the man is coming up for a, a, a pro, parole or, or trial, and whether he stays for life in prison or whether he's executed or whatever, and the man who did it, the man's name was Freeman May. Freeman May. And here, Je here Jesus is going to Lisa in May saying, you're being called to testify by the people that, that are representing the man who, who raped and murdered your sister. So she looked at me and she was like, oh my God, I have to, I'm supposed to go testify in court? With, the, with this man who, who did this. And I, she said, David, will you come with me? And I said, no, this one's for you and Jesus. <laughs> You're going to walk through this one with Jesus. So she goes to the courthouse and she's in the elevator and she's going up the elevator and guess who's in the elevator with her? Freeman May. She's put in the same elevator with the man who raped and murdered her sister. Jesus is doing this for forgiveness. As I say all the time, nothing happens to you, everything happens for you. So you can forgive what never happened. You, ha you realize that's what Jesus is teaching. He's not teaching forgive your brother for what they did. He's teaching forgive your brother for what they did not do. So as they're both in the, in the elevator, which is the, why it's such an extreme parable, is she just looks over and and she just 
turns to Freeman May and she just, with all the love in her heart, she just sees this pure innocence. And his eyes are looking for some support and she and finds it in Lisa's eyes in the elevator. And so Lisa eventually had to testify into court and basically when they brought her to the stand, the prosecution who was wanting him to, you know, stay in prison or or be uh, have the death penalty, the prosecution said to Lisa, under oath, so you study a book called A Course in Miracles. <laughs> oh, now we get to really see how strong Jesus is in the practice of a course. This is what Lisa went through. She actually, she had to say, yes, I do study A Course in Miracles. And they said, and, and this book teaches basically that everyone is innocent. Under oath. Yes, that is what it teaches. And so Jesus took her into what most people would say is in a very, very extreme position so that she could testify and let Jesus speak through her. So she could teach what she would learn. She had to face this extreme circumstance in order to teach what she would learn. And this is no different than what Lucia is going through in this movie and Francesco and Lucinta. They are having the mayor, the priest, the mother, the, the people uh, in the town are all there. And, and, and little Lucia, 10 years old, is saying, why is it that I seem to be hurting so many people? Remember when she said that? Why is it that I seem to be hurting so many people? And Jesus is telling us right here in the course, in the Manual for Teachers, Development of Trust, that it seems as if things are being taken away. Her father seems to have lost his, his field, which provides the money for the family. He, he seems to have to say, has sent his daughter away to, to work a job to bring money for the family. It seems like the parents are losing their reputation. It seems like Louis, Lucia's mother feels like, you know, she's getting the scorn of other mothers and she's facing her own intensity with feeling like um, that somehow Lucia, by saying what she's saying, is going against the teachings. In the very beginning when Lucia said it, uh, her mother said, why would Mother Mary pick you? Do you really think that you're that special? This is coming out of mom's mouth. Why would Mother Mary pick you? Do you really think you're that special? So in one sense, Lucia maybe perceives that she's losing her, her family, she's losing her mother, She's losing the respect of the whole town. She's losing the respect of, of the mayor and of the priest. And Jesus is simply saying, it, it seems as if things are being taken away. And really it's just a shift. Your mind starts to devalue the things of the world. You value the light. You value your connection with God more than you do the things of this world. So the ego said, look, you're losing everything. You're starting to serve God and now it's all falling away. 
But all the mystics and saints tell you the same thing. You can read what they say. They say they had to go through dark night of the soul. They had to face their greatest fears. All of us have to do what Jesus did. We just have to simply face whatever we're most afraid of. And what are we most afraid of? Love. <laughs> Jesus says, you're terrified of, of love because you're, you're addicted to the ego. <laughs> that, that's where the, the terror of love is coming in. He's saying, if you don't believe in the ego anymore, you'll realize love is loving. <laughs> love is wonderful. Love is everything. You see the difference? Uh, in reality, love is, we know we've had little glimmers of it. We know just even little glimmers are powerful. But he's just saying, just keep opening your faith because love is God's love. God loves you so much you have no idea in this world, in your experiences, how much God loves you. In fact, Jesus says if you had the faintest glimmering of what love means today, you would be traveling distance without measure and time beyond the count of years. And then Jesus says if you remembered the, 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 the song of prayer, if you remembered the song of heaven and all those that are with you, you would weep. You would cry. Tears would pour from your face if you remembered how loved you are. But if you believe in the ego, you've pushed all this unconscious, you put, put love out of awareness and you also push the darkness. The, that's the unconscious mind. You've pushed it out of awareness. It has to come up for healing. So what I'm really saying here is everything that ever seems to happen to us is for our own good. We may interpret that things are being taken away, but Jesus is letting us know, no, you should, you should actually see what's really happening. You're just changing your value system. You're going from valuing fear in all of its unrecognized forms to valuing God's love. It's all working together for good, like it says even in the Bible. All things work together for good for them who love the Lord. That's it, that's a real true idea. It's just that when we believe in the ego, we don't always know our best interest. We're quick, you know, to say, to shake our fist and say, why are you doing this to me? But, but really, it's for our own benefit. <laughs> it's, it's so we can heal, you know, that's the whole thing. Okay, here we go, it's getting deeper and deeper. Okay. Now let's really get into the depth of it. We're ready. We took a trip here to. Oh, I got to You need my video here for this too. <laughs> More than just a voice. So, what is being shown here is basically some of the teachings of a course in miracles that that are that are in the book. They're in the book. But they don't get talked about very much. <laughs> One of the, the teachings is from the workbook and says, The world was made as an attack upon God, a place where God can enter not. Okay? Uh, that's, that's 
pretty strong language. The world was made as an attack upon God, a place where God can enter not. If you read Eastern literature, they talk about the world as being Leela. The world is like a play. It's a little different to say the world was made as an attack upon God, a place where God can enter not. This is actually Jesus Christ saying that the ego made the world as a total veil and a defense against eternal love. Are the sins that are being committed real sins? No, because God is real and love is all there is. And basically the teachings of Jesus are that that sin is the belief you can separate from God and Jesus is teaching us that's impossible. You cannot separate from a loving creator. You can believe that you can. <laughs> you see, you can believe it, but you can't make it so because love is a fact. God is a fact. Eternal love is a fact. That's an, actually a, an eternal fact. And this is a world of judgments and opinions that was made by the ego. So, when she is showing the three little children, they're the, first of all, they're the only ones there in the crowd that can see her. Because of their faith, because of their prayers for help from God, because of their prayers to know God, the apparition is appearing. And now at this point, she is basically showing them that the world and World War One um, and what will come in the future. She's doing a little uh, Notre Dame uh, job for them right there. She's she's giving these three little ones a Notre Dame experience. You know how Notre Dame Nostradamus saw weapons that weren't even invented. She showed them the atomic bomb going off. She said, if people if the sins are not released, if if Mankind, if humankind does not repent of this ego belief, there will seem to be worse wars. She's basically giving them a shot of everything. I don't know if you remember, have any of you ever, have you seen The Matrix? Did you remember the first Matrix movie? When Neo goes with Morpheus and then Morpheus shows him what he calls the desert of the real. In other words, he shows him a black, dark, bleak world. And basically, that's the first step. Morpheus is taking Neo on a journey to know who he is, his true self, that he's the one. But initially, Morpheus takes him to see how dark things are. And this is what is happening in this movie. This is what Mother Mary is doing with the children. She's basically saying, the world that you believe in with your five senses, you may think that it's a beautiful world, but if you got underneath it and you could see the hatred that made this world, you would let it go. But the ego is so clever, it made up beautiful green trees and mountains and oceans. It made up bunny rabbits and deer. <laughs> it, made, it made up things that are cute. <laughs> you see? As part of its sneaky mesmerism to keep the hatred that made the world from being recognized. 
What does Jesus say about hatred? Jesus says, until you are willing to look upon the full extent of your own self-hatred, you will not be willing to let it go. And basically what Jesus is saying is, until you are willing to look upon, with me, with the Holy Spirit and me, the, the darkness of the unconscious mind, you will not be willing to let it go. You will just seem to keep reincarnating into a world of illusions. You will still come again and come again. As long as you don't forgive it, you will just keep repeating it. That's what the ego is. It's like a repeat mode. <laughs> Guilt repeated and repeated, repeated, repeated. In the Bible it talks about the sins that are revisited in the third and fourth generations. You know, people say, what is he talking about? That's just the repeating nature of error. Error just repeats. That's what linear time is. It's just repeating the error. Like Groundhog Day. Anybody, anybody see Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? He keeps stepping in the puddle. Remember, he, he goes every day, he wakes up, it's, it's the same day, and then he steps into the same puddle every day until one day he doesn't. <laughs> you see? Until one day he steps over the puddle. He doesn't step into it. And that's very much like what Jesus is asking us to do. There's even a workbook lesson where people are doing the workbook, and oh, I am as God created me, I am spirit, rah, rah, yeah, yeah. And then they do the workbook lesson that says, what I see is a form of vengeance. And then they say, David, what does that mean? What I see is a form of vengeance. Well, you just saw it. Mother Mary's giving, <laughs> giving our three little saints a little uh, show about vengeance. Flaming, buildings flaming, everything flaming like a solar flare has hit the world. Uh, priests being shot, uh, shot in the, the skull. You know, it's basically saying, this world is hatred. Don't be fooled if you think it's been dressed up. Maybe you like cute little cupcakes with icing. <laughs> maybe, maybe you like caterpillars. Maybe you say, I can't see the hatred in butterflies. I really can't, David. I'm, I mean, I, I, I think they're wonderful creatures. I like, I like the butterflies. And what I'm saying is, once you start to move towards the holy instant, and you really ask for the present moment, Jesus will take you down through the unconscious mind, and you'll start to realize this world never had anything that satisfied your mind. That's actually lesson 128 from the workbook. The world I see holds nothing that I want. He's not just joking there. He's actually, he's, he's giving it to you very straight with no, no ice or he's not diluting it. Nothing I see means anything is the first lesson. Lesson 128, the world I see holds nothing that I want. You see, they work together. And what, what Mary is doing is for these little children, she knows that their heart is crying out for happiness. Their heart is crying out for play. 
they enjoy dancing, even though Lucia's mother said, come home, we have to pray the rosary, and we must, <laughs> we must sacrifice our time. Don't dance. Uh, come home and let's pray that, that Manuel will be saved if we, if we get our beads and we pray enough rosaries, you know. That, that is, even her father said, they're just children wanting to dance. What's the harm <laughs> in, in little girls wanting to dance? You see, Holy Spirit was coming through in some different angles there. So that's what this part of the movie is about. It's, it's starting to, to help us all start to face that the world really hasn't satisfied us. And, and many of us have tried many things here. <laughs> I know. I tried a bunch of things too. And then Jesus said, forgiveness. Please dedicate your, your life to the holy instant. Dedicate your life to forgiveness. And you will experience a joy greater than anything that you have ever imagined in that experience. That's what the faith is. I, you know, I, I actually was a, I was baptized, I was baptized as a Christian. So when I was little baby David, in the parable of baby David, they took me up in, in, at a ch Christian church and they, they had a little bowl of water and I was christened or baptized. They sprinkled little beads of water on little baby David. I don't remember the memory very well, but that's what they tell me. <laughs> I, I wasn't remembering that one too much, but the little droplets of water and then they, in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, we baptize you and everything. And then I, I went to church for a number of years, but I don't know if I really had much faith. I don't think my faith was very strong. I think it was like a lot of, I thought, this is a bunch of rituals. Why is everybody doing these rituals over and over? And then finally, in 1986, Jesus said, don't be so down on rituals. I've got a few more for you. Uh, you're not baby David anymore, but I've got a workbook and you're still going to have to do the rituals. But these are going to train your mind to release all the rituals, to release all of the repetition of linear time. So that's what a course is. I, I didn't complain after that. I said, all right, if you want me to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to dive in and I'm going to go at every single lesson of this book like it's the last lesson I'll ever have. I'm going to go for, you tell me I can, I can transfer the training and all I have to do is see one brother or sister without judgment, that it's not cumulative, it's just, where is your heart? How willing are you to forgive and see beyond the error? You know, that's what Jesus is teaching us. So here we go. This is, uh, the little ones are just getting exposed to what the world really is before you forgive it. Before you forgive it, it, it really is, is a nightmare. And it seems very dark at times, but the ego sprinkles it with all kinds of uh, tricky substitutes to make it seem like it's not hatred. And yet it's disguising the darkness. Whereas Jesus is saying, just let it go. Just forgive it. Don't, don't mess with it. <laughs> don't mess with it. 
It, this is a tricky ego, but you can forgive it. You can overlook it. Never underestimate the depth of the belief in sacrifice. You see Monsignor staring down little Jacinta and saying, tell me the truth. And she's just staring right back at him like, I am not going to lie. But the Monsignor is basically saying that, that what is happening with these three children could bring down the entire church in Fatima in, in Portugal. You see, hear the idea of sacrifice. What three children have seen and said, the Monsignor is saying that could bring down the, the, whole, the whole church in Portugal. That's just an example of sacrifice, you see. If you believe that something beautiful and wonderful and miraculous could destroy something in the world, then in one sense Jesus is saying, well, the miracle does show the false as false. But while you believe in the truth of this world and what your five senses are showing you, then that is the deception. You, God created you in spirit. God created you in eternity and that's the way you remain. You remain eternal beings. And that's what Jesus came to demonstrate. That you, you can't kill the Son of God. You can't kill the Christ. The, the world in, in essence is, is like a, the desert of, of images and Jesus is here to tell us that our home is not of this earth. Our home is in heaven. So, every time we go back to this movie, we see the, the belief in sacrifice just coming up all the time. Now the children are being told uh, that their lie could bring down the entire church of Portugal. And the wife of the mayor, she's just trying to reason with her, her husband. She still believes that what harm can come from three children seeing and listening to the Virgin Mary. You know, she still in her heart cannot understand where the threat is. But he's saying the threat is in, it's in the reputation, the threat is to the church, the threat is to the institutions, that the institutions may crumble. If what these children are saying is true, <laughs> That is a threat to the institutions. Then we have to ask the question, who made the institutions? <laughs> did, God, did God create the government? Did God create the, penal, the legal system? Did God create societies? Or is God actually a creator of spirit? And all true creation comes from spirit. And the rest is just the attempt to deny that spirit. So here we go. I mean, if you identify with little Jacinta and these little messengers, you can start to realize that this does have to do with our mind. We, we, we may ask the question, what does this have to do with us? This has everything to do with our mind. <laughs> and we're watching these little witnesses show us that if you stand firm in your faith and you don't waver, as Jesus would say, the reward will be great. <laughs> 
for those that have that faith. Okay, here we go. So you remember what I, I read from the development of trust at the very beginning. It said, it seems as if things are being taken away. It is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. So this is a valuable movie. As you watch this movie, if you feel the, the pain of loss, if you feel the grief or the sadness of, of a child uh, called missing in action, if you feel the, the pain or the loss of, a, of a, a farmer who now has lost his crop and his daughter he sent off to uh, to work to raise money for the family and now he says I have to sell the herd. Now he's selling off the animals and he's basically saying you don't have to go back to that place. You see the devastation that comes from believing in the ego. This movie is just we follow along and we follow the apparition and then we suddenly start to realize oh my gosh this has everything to do with my mind. If I feel loss, sadness, hurt, grief, abandonment, you know, if these feelings are starting to come to the surface, the movie is just starting to be used by the Holy Spirit to say, this is just because you believe in this. God has nothing to do with these emotions of hurt, grief, bereavement, sadness, loss. God didn't create any of those emotions. A loving God does not create that way. This is, you want to talk about manifestation, well this is, uh, this is, I'll call it miscreation. It's taking your God-given light and then miscreating something that is so unlike God. Death is unlike God. Uh, war is unlike God. The body is actually unlike God. God knows not form, Jesus tells us. God did not create the body, Jesus tells us. These are the core teachings and these are, to the ego, they're radical. They're very radical. But I assure you, the more you just let the emotions come up and let them move through like clouds in the sky, you will see that there is a lot of light there once those clouds have passed. But you are seeing through this movie that, that while the, the world and the self-concept of the world, while linear time holds value, then the present moment is unknown. The holy instant is covered over. It's pushed out of awareness, you see. All the mystics and saints, the, from ancient times all the way up to Byron Katie and and Eckert and, and the Adya Shanti and all the modern day Gangaji and all the modern day teachings, they, they're all talking about the present moment. They're all echoing the same teachings. The present moment is the moment of escape. But you have to realize that if you have a value and an investment in, in the past and future, maybe you still think, I'm ambitious. I still have ambitions for the future. Well, that is part of the self-hatred. 
or maybe you have regrets, like maybe you think things didn't go the way in form that you would have liked them to go on in the past, and you have regrets. Those regrets of the past and those worries about the future are really part of, of clinging to the error, you see? And Jesus is saying, don't harbor this error. Do not hold on to the error. You, Jesus even tells us, you are not responsible for the error. You are just responsible for accepting the correction. And that's what a way shower is. A way shower is just one who shows that there is a correction and it can be accepted. And that's why for those that really go deep with the Course, they actually go through a, a, a lot of undoing. I remember the first time I, I was going through the Manual for Teachers on the Course in Miracles and I started to read this section, Development of Trust, which we've, I've been reading from, and the stages of the development of trust, and I said, alright Jesus, give it to me straight, you know, let's not, uh, don't put any sugar on this, no, no ice, icing and cherry, just give me the, give it to me straight. And I looked at those six stages of the development of trust, and four out of the six are difficult and unsettling. Four out of six, you can do the math, that's two-thirds of what you will seem to go through to wake up is, is difficult. And the only reason it's challenging, difficult, is because of the, the insistence and the addiction to guilt and, and time and fear. There, there has to be an extreme addiction to guilt and fear for four of the six uh, stages to be difficult. I can tell you though, is that it's all worth it. Would I go through it again? <laughs> I mean, without a blink. Without a blink. You know, I would look at that and I'd go, Woo, four out of six, bring it on. Let's get the, let's get on the road with this. <laughs> let's, let's go for this. This is for the whole universe. This isn't for your personality self. This is for the whole universe. You're doing this for the whole universe and then you start to see, wow, this is pretty important. This isn't about a little personal life. This is about bringing the salvation of the world depends on me. Some of you remember that lesson. <laughs> the ego really likes to twist that one around, but the salvation of the world depends on me. Not me as a person, but my mind, <laughs> it, the salvation of the world depends on my mind accepting the correction like Jesus did. You see how important this is. So here we go. Now, I think uh, the Lucia's father is, is resigning himself like, okay, what next? I mean, everything's leaving now. What else? What's next? And I think Lucia's mother just reached her point of anger. That's, that just comes from the belief in sacrifice. If you believe in sacrifice, you will get angry because the ego has rage at God. The ego is raging at God because the ego is insisting that it wants its fictional world to be made real by God. 
And guess what? God is not going to be taking illusions and making them real. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it never did and never will happen. So the ego rages at God and then Lucia's mother is just starting to act out and feel like, why do you make fun of me? She's starting to feel like all of her prayers for Manuel were like, uh, that Lucia is going to make fun of her. But it's not really that. It's, it's just that that sacrifice is not a belief that will ever stand the light. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be released one way or the other sooner or later. So might as well be sooner, right? Who likes to live under the weight of sacrifice? So here we go. Wow, so many lessons here. What did we just learn from that? That even if the church is shut down, <laughs> the Holy Spirit and Jesus and Mary, they don't need the institution of the church even. Oh my. <laughs> Now we're starting to see where the threat is to the ego. Because the ego invented all the institutions. And all Jesus taught was, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and might. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus taught from the Sermon on the Mount, out there in nature, just like they kneeled down and said, pray with us. And they all prayed together. When Jesus was asked about prayer, Jesus said, uh, this is what it says in the Bible. When they asked Jesus about prayer, Jesus said, go to your closet and shut the door. <laughs> he didn't just say go to your closet. He said, go to your closet and shut the door. Perhaps he was saying, Shut out the distractions of your senses. Go to the stillness within that Ramana Maharshi was talking about. The, the language of the heart, the language of recognition is, is the silence. And here, centuries before, even Ramana Maharshi, Jesus was basically saying, when you pray, go to your closet and shut the door. He must have meant something if he put shut the door on the end of that. He must have meant be willing to let go of what you value through the five senses, what you perceive through the body's eyes, what you seem to hear through the body's ears. Go to your closet and shut the door. Uh, you know, even before technology, even before computers and smartphones and earbuds and earpods, airpods, Jesus would still tell us the same thing. Now, 2,000 years later, go to your closet and shut the door. You see, he's saying what all the mystics and saints said, empty your mind of the contents of consciousness. Be willing to let go of everything you think you know, everything you think you believe. Simply do this, be still. Lay aside all thoughts of what you are and what God is. Everything that you've learned about this world, both the good and the bad. Hold on to nothing. Do not bring with you one thought the past has ever taught, or one thing you ever learned before. Forget this world. Forget this course. 
and come with holy empty hands unto your God. If you like that, it's in lesson workbook lesson 189 in the course. It's right there. It's all there. He's basically saying you don't have to play the game of idols and you don't have to compromise your spiritual experiences. Look at little Jacinta. She has stared down the Monsignor. She has gone into the church and cheered on Lucia to not tell a lie, but to stay with the truth. And then the angel of Portugal shows up and, and the Monsignor says, say what you feel, or the priest deep inside, say what you feel deep inside. And then a smile comes across her face because she knows what she feels deep inside. Deeper than the ego is the truth. It's the Christ. It's love. That's the truth. That's what we feel deep inside. We feel the presence of God's love. And we cannot deny that. Now, many of us who have many opportunities to, uh, to speak up the truth. Uh, I, I go back to Lisa, you know, she, she was called to testify on behalf of the man who raped and murdered her sister and Lisa Fair went in there under oath you swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you God and she basically declared that in her experience that he was innocent. Well that is definitely beyond the body. Uh, that is definitely beyond the body and to go into a court of law and to stand up for the for the Christ, to stand up for the innocence. And and she did that because she was guided to do it. She wasn't doing it with a motive to have him set free or she wasn't doing it because there was an outcome she was aiming for. She was doing it because the presence of Jesus had her there to do that. At one point, if you talk to Lisa too, she was left in a hallway um, outside the court all by herself and she was in this hallway and she's just praying to Jesus, praying, 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 Jesus I need your help, I, this is going to be, I need your help to do this, this is so much. And then when she opened her eyes she looked into, it was a marble wall with like mosaics and guess who she saw in the marble wall? It was Jesus. Before she went out to testify, Jesus appeared in the wall to her like, I'm here with you. And then she actually got a guard. She said, come here. Can you see? It's Jesus. is <laughs> in your wall here in the courthouse. But see, that was, that was Jesus appearing to her for support. You know, you can do this. You can teach only love. I taught only love. I want you to do it too. You show your faith in God. You let go of the past and you see the innocence the same as I see it and now you teach it. You don't hide. You don't cave in. You don't compromise. I think the prosecutor who was prosecuting Freeman May, you know, I love that name, Free Man May. <laughs> that was, it was in May and, 
And his name was Free Men May. You know, you got Jesus is such a good central casting. You know, he doesn't miss a beat. You know, if you're stuck, he'll get you unstuck. <laughs> it, whatever it takes, he'll get you unstuck. So here we go. Uh, now we're seeing. Uh, I I think Yahinta uh, is. She's just getting started now. She's like, bring it on. Come on, world. What do you think you can? change my mind about what I saw, just try it, try me. She's like saying, just try me. <laughs> so you can see how stubborn the ego is. The ego is so stubborn that it would take these three children and lock them up and then try to bring a psychiatrist in that will use the ego's favorite defense mechanism Label and dismiss. <laughs> Let's get the children labeled as lying, as insane, or as dishonest, and then that will dismiss the whole problem. That is the practice of the ego. It always will try to use something in form to protect itself. It's just a belief in the mind. It's just hiding in the mind doesn't want to be exposed because Jesus says if you really looked openly and honestly at the ego you could not believe it. You could not believe in a death wish if you looked openly and honestly at it. But as long as it's hidden in the unconscious mind then the ego will play all these games. One of its favorite games is label and dismiss. Label somebody as insane or in this case three children Label them as insane. The mayor is going after Lucia because she's the oldest. She's try he's trying to say, you say that it was just a game, and then you say that Jacinta just followed you because she wanted to be your friend. And Jacinta's like, I did not. <laughs> she's not, she's not going to go for any trick. <laughs> you can call her whatever you want. She is not going for it. And, and you can see where even the mayor's wife basically said, don't make me choose. Don't put me into a, a position here where I, where you make me choose divorce in order to stand to my principles. <laughs> don't make me choose between us as a couple and my principles of what I believe is true. And she, she knew that it was all based on faith. You know, she, she told him that earlier. So this movie is really kind of showing how in the end when you go down this rabbit hole, when you go toward God and toward the light, you just have to be willing to give your consent and say yes to whatever the Holy Spirit asks of you. And the Holy Spirit will take nothing from you, but will just ask you to teach what you would learn. In your relationships, be integrous and teach what you would learn. Integrity and wholeness are important. Why would we compromise and lie to keep up appearances when integrity and respect and wholeness are extremely important because wholeness is oneness. You know, we're going for Christ's vision. It's the highest goal you could go for, the holy instant, Christ's vision. And then the ego will try to tempt you to compromise. 
and just kind of label and dismiss or you know there are many sincere Christians that actually believe that uh, the Course in Miracles is the work of the devil. Actually that's just a good example of label and dismiss. <laughs> All you have to do is say well the Course is insane, it's going to ruin your life, and I have all the evidence of here's some people whose lives were ruined by it. If I just stopped when I was going to, through my development of trust and, and, and stopped and said it's the work of the devil, that would have been a quick end to my study, but it wouldn't have brought me happiness. <laughs> we have to transcend the devil. <laughs> Who said there was a real devil? You know, Jesus showed us he could transcend and he said, Greater things than I will you do, he said. He, he knew we would transcend as well. So the main thing is you, you have to be wary of this trick of the ego called label and dismiss. It's always trying to put the blame on something external. Blame the president, blame the politicians, blame the, the pandemic, <laughs> blame the war. In, in Ukraine. You see how it's still trying the same tricks right now in 2022 as it was doing back in 1917. <laughs> it was the same thing. It's just called label and dismiss. Oh, we'd all be happier if there was no war here and all the politicians got together and they just held hands like to teach the world to Thing in perfect harmony. <laughs> you see, no, the ego is not going to be singing that song. <laughs> it's 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 a belief, it's a death wish. How can you expect it to know what perfect harmony even means? You see, so we just have to keep the faith, keep expanding our faith, while the ego tries to throw all of its tricks at us. And uh, well, we're seeing these three children. They're showing us. Wow. And the little children will lead you. Whoa! <laughs> the prophecy is fulfilled. <laughs> we, we are seeing the little children leading us right now. That's right from the Bible. We're seeing it right before our eyes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> well, when you think the world is entirely symbolic and that everything in the world, in the world of dreams, is just symbols, what is Mother Mary going to pull off? But she starts it off in a great day. The day that she has everybody come, it is as dark as it gets. It is pouring down rain. Oh, Mother Mary is not going to be pulling a light miracle for the whole group. Uh, she's picked the darkest of days. To me, I think that's pretty symbolic. Uh, that's like when she showed the children the flaming, uh, flaming world and, you know, people, priests getting shot. She's basically saying here that this is a dark world, just like Morpheus was telling Neo. Don't be fooled by the appearances that this world is darkness. But there is a light that is so bright that it would dispel the world of darkness in one instant. And we know that Jesus showed us that light, you know, when he said, I am the light of the world. Even though it's a, a very dark world that the ego made, 
the light is still there. The I am presence is still as bright as ever. Before Abraham was, I am. Before the cosmos was, I am. So just watch the scene and watch the miracle just from the perspective that this is a dream and this is a dream symbol for you now to realize what you need to realize. This is for our holy instant online <laughs> retreat here. We're seeing a symbol of Mary's called everybody together and there's a lot of people there and it's dark. It's dark as can be and it's pouring down rain because there is some kind of message that we need to receive right now for going into the holy instant. It's not about time, it's about right now. So here we go. Enjoy! <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can feel all the lessons kind of coming to you now. It's so many lessons. It just helps make things so clear. And it, it gives us even more allowance in our mind to, to live a life of prayer, to live a life of, of devotion, to let the Holy Spirit use the symbols in the way. There's not a cookie cut, cutter approach. It's not like everybody has to turn in to be priests and monks and nuns. It's just that we have to just allow the Spirit to use what is in us, what skills, abilities we have to teach in every situation that love is real. To, to teach love in every single circumstance and every single situation. And uh, I remember in my early years uh, with, with the Course in Miracles, I said, um, well, you know, you have to be appropriate. And Jesus said, yeah, I will always guide you appropriately. I will always give you practical guidance. You never have to feel like you are going against anything. You can just stay with me in my simple, gentle presence and let me smile through you, let me laugh through you, let me speak words of comfort through you. See how natural it is to be a miracle worker. That you've been fighting against it, but now you're being trained to perform miracles. And it's not that you personally perform them, but you allow them to come in your mind and through you. And it's really Jesus that performs the miracles. Just like back in the days of the Apostles, you know, Jesus was allowing this presence of, of love and grace to pour through in, in a very practical way. And it's also a great opportunity to really honestly question like what is your purpose in life? What is your value? Uh, what, what is it that you have to give that feels like your heart opens up? What is it that brings you great inspiration and great joy? And I know even for me when I, when I was studying and practicing the Course in my early years, it was very much like an ego was chirping away saying, come on now, enough, 
with this book, uh, let's get practical and and get involved in the world. And and Jesus kept saying, keep studying, keep praying, keep giving me every day to use for miracles, and you'll see that you'll you will feel the joy and the happiness of that. It's just that we have believed that we have to do something in form to make things right. And Jesus is saying, no, it's more like, let me do it through you. Be a willing servant. The body is not who you are. The body is like a puppet. It's like a marionette. And why don't you give the marionette over to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit pull the strings for a while? That's all we're asked to do with our life. We're not asked to take things on to ourself personally. Like we personally have to figure out salvation or work out salvation. It's more like we're just to pray and feel what is my inspiration? What is what the Spirit really wants to use this puppet for? And once you find that and you say yes to that, then that's where the, the faith starts to grow and to expand. In the parable of David, you know, I, I not only was identified with the puppet pretty, pretty strongly, but I had labeled my puppet shy and timid. I had labeled my puppet a loner. I had <laughs> labeled my puppet's game as solitary. All alone. Uh, that's the way it starts out. And then Jesus laughs and goes, yeah, yeah, all right, give, give me the puppet. <laughs> None of that matters. And I said, well, I think it matters. I think it matters a lot. And he said, well, look at Moses. Uh, Moses was a stuttering puppet. He couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't even speak sentences without stuttering. And then uh, he had to deliver the Ten Commandments. <laughs> that's, who, that's who the Holy Spirit chose to deliver the Ten Commandments, was a stuttering puppet <laughs> called Moses. So it just shows, Jesus always has good examples like, listen, you can't mess it up. You know, all you have to do is, is be inspired, don't compromise, feel your joy, feel your happiness, and let it just pour through you. Uh, in the most natural way, you know, it's not a complicated thing to listen and follow. It's, it's trying to resist listen and follow where the complexity comes in. When we start relying on our past learning and all of our past judgments, then it gets complicated very quick. So I, I just hope you all enjoyed this movie as, as much as I do because I think it's one of those that it's good to t discuss, it's good to, to be honest with whatever you were feeling during the movie, and just start to, to feel the peace come over you of these little saints. Uh, Pope Francis, Francis turned two of them into saints, and then, uh, and then I, I guess they said that Lucia was, uh, was up for sainthood. But uh, when we watched this movie, I think they're all saints by what they gave us in this movie. <laughs> what they gave us was immeasurable, <laughs> immeasurable demonstration of, of how to live in, in a simple truth. They saw an image, 
they saw an apparition, they listened, and then they had to face all their doubt thoughts um, that they believed in, acted out all around them. But they didn't give in, you know. And they kept being told, please tell the truth. <laughs> please say that you made this story up. And they they stuck with the what they what they saw. So blessed are these beautiful children and and blessed are we who follow the example of these uh, brave, courageous little children who who showed us all about faith, how it is to, to have faith. So I just love you all and I'm so grateful we get to spend these Saturdays together. So thank you all. God bless you. Thank you for being with me in this. <laughs> I think it's saving time. I feel like we're saving time for the whole universe. <laughs> the time is collapsing for all of us. You know, it's getting shorter and shorter. The Alpha and the Omega are coming together and, and finally we'll be like, oh, like Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the ending. I am. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> okay, lots of love. Thank you.